interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 98. Is that correct? That's correct. Of Not A Robot's DC Comics review show. As always, I have my amazing co-host joining me today, Rob. If you're ready to talk about Kite Man, give me a hell yeah. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, and Josh, how you doing? <laughs> Not too bad there. Hello, humans. Today on the show, we will be covering a variety of titles, uh, and I will not go into detail on every single one, um, but as usual, we will be covering our main reviews, but we also have some spotlights that we'd like to mention and some few that we'll throw out uh, a little bit before that. Um, but of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles may or may not make the dump list. If you would like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord, as well as other exclusive content available on the network. Once again, we are on Substack, and we are pumping out newsletters for you to see. A little plug for myself, but also for some of the other fine members of Not A Robot who are churning out some incredible reviews. So, with all that out of the way, let's get into some news for this week. Guys, what's new in comics? I have to say, and I know that I've said this a million times if I've said it once, but once again, we were right. <sighs> As revealed in the synopsis for DC's Dark Crisis-related Worlds Without a Justice League, Wonder Woman, which is a one-shot, we already find out that the Justice League indeed is not dead and are rather instead on their own individual in their own individual worlds like what we saw with Flash. Not only were we right about them not being dead, but we were right about what happened to them. Yeah. It's DC's Which is, yeah, least uh, like worst kept secrets that they're actually Yeah, yeah that was it was not it was not a very well constantly. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Absolutely dumb. It's not like DC's good at keeping secrets anyway. They always lampass themselves that way. Lampoon themselves that way, I mean. Um, but in any case, so, yep, yeah, we were right. We called it. Actually, I believe that one belongs to Rob from a couple of months ago. Uh, but in any case, I don't know. that's what's happening. Uh, next in news, I got a little bit of stuff from Rob... And I always say his name different ways. Lifefield. Leafield. No feet, Rob. And. <laughs> hey, I've got feet. Uh, <laughs> not that, Rob. Uh, <laughs> no, um, we are walking into his 30th anniversary of John Prophet. And uh, oh, John yeah, Prophet, that's right. is, Prophet is a character. He first appeared in Youngblood. And to celebrate that, we are getting a newly remastered version of Prophet number one. Oh, it did that sounds that. cool. Ooh. Yeah. But what yeah. in the hell is a remastered comic book? I mean, just updated images. So it's, Marvel uh, did it's the same this, art, yeah. but with feet added yeah. in digitally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I think so. I do remember reading about this. Um, so Marvel did a, a similar thing where 
they basically did a re-release of Giant Size X-Men, the original one from 1975, uh, but they brought in different artists for every single page. Now, from my memory, I don't think this is going to be different artists. It's going to be the same artists that worked on the original Prophet. So I believe that is Dan Panosian and all the other um, extreme guys that were working on them. So Mark Banning, Matt Banning, I would say that. Um, I can't remember like the Sean names, Blade but there was a team of like four or five people, including uh, Liefeld. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that... Uh, yeah, that'll just be a, a recreation, basically. So you're bringing in the original artist and saying, okay, your style has changed a lot since 1993. Um, let's do same script, just updated art. Uh, which, you know, is kind of cool, like asking them to come back. It is. Back to their roots and that sort of thing. So, no, yeah, I'm, not uh, that I ever had a problem with the way image books looked back in the 90s. I mean, they were extreme <laughs> no. for sure, but they had some really good imaging compared to everybody else at the time. Um, so yeah. uh, as much as I as much as I rip on him, I will be definitely picking that up because I did. I love Prophet. Youngblood was great. I thought Youngblood was awesome, and Prophet was a great character. I I have and... actually been on a mission lately, uh, picking up all the original image titles, and I I finally closed it out recently. I got the the first four issues of Shadowhawk Valentino Shadowhawk. So now I have them all. Oh, like Pokemon cards. Yeah. I have yeah. Savage oh, Dragon, awesome. Wildcats. Youngblood, Shadowhawk, all these names, same. Cyberforce. Um, Max and, and Pit? Well, yeah, well, actually, I don't have Max, so maybe I, maybe that doesn't really count. But Oh, and Spawn, of course. How can I forget Spawn? Um, right. But I, I was I was just thinking to the original founders, but I guess I didn't get Wetworks if I want to include Los Potashio. So I'm almost there. But, uh, yeah, almost. they are. And they you, are, got, you got they Pit, are, too. And I got Pit. They are, they are 90s-licious. Oh yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I wrote. I will never forget the first day that I picked up an issue of Pit, Pit Number One. Oh, I, I can't imagine. It and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's probably the I coolest thing ever. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude! It's, it's, time, it's got. It's got like mind blowing. Yeah. Well, that that cover is just it's so great. It's like that. It's like the gritted face of Pit and everything. Like I can't imagine picking mm-hmm. that up like off the rack. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, compared to what everything else that was coming out at that time, everything else I was used to when they came out with, I mean, their, their, their (coughs) interior art was fantastic. The covers, the covers were enough to blow your mind, man. But uh, that's it with image. I got one last thing and I'm pretty sure y'all already know about this, but um, we just, uh, I just found out that, DC is going to be releasing a prequel one-shot called Tales from the Three Kingdoms for Dark Knights of Steel. I did not hear so about this. It's awesome. I am gonna be uh, I'm gonna be checking that one out too when it comes out. I lost the release date. I can't remember if I even had it, but it is happening. It is only a one-shot, but I I would I I'd love I'd love to see how we got to where we are in dark knights of steel i'm not a big hey let's let's go on either side of the timeline and do whatever we want kind of guy but uh i feel like this series could definitely use a prequel i'm looking forward to it yeah it's it's good that they're building out the world agreed um and then yeah that that's it for me that is it for me what do you guys Um, got over in the the movie world, we have this week the Black Adam trailer 
officially released. Not a trailer for the trailer. Not a teaser. The official, actual, full-length trailer. Uh, I don't know. I have not seen it yet. Tell me about it, Rob. For me, it was a little underwhelming. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Maybe it's just. um, Okay, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, I texted my friend about it, and he kind of felt the same way. but yeah, I, I, don't I know. think it's it's really just the fact that that Dwayne Johnson was cast in this role like twelve years ago, and then they he just kept pushing it. it back. And they always said, "Yeah, no, he's coming. It's Black Adam's coming. Don't worry, you know, it's, it's Dwayne Johnson. It's coming." And then uh, <laughs> finally, we we get the movie <laughs> and we, the JSA is coming. They release all the the pictures and pre shots of the JSA, and they look fucking cool. But beyond that. There's not much else to look at. It's pretty much exactly what you'd expect. Uh, it's Black Adam being an antihero, and it's it's him towing the line between hero or if he is not a hero, because not really a villain. It looks like he doesn't want to do the villain route, but he's not sure if he wants to be a hero. Um, well, that that's that that tracks for Black Adam. Black Adam is yeah. He's never really been a villain. He's been in no. the villain role plenty of times, but he, uh, yeah. you know, he's an antihero. He 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 only gives a shit about him and his people. That's it. Um, yeah, traditionally, I mean, when he's thrown up against you know Captain Marvel, it's usually like yeah, he's he's the clear villain. But yet more more recently, he's more of like an antihero. He's just sort of looking out for his people by any means necessary. Hey, I don't believe Kondok was mentioned once in the trailer. I have to go and double check, but I don't remember hearing it. Uh, and there was this weird. weird thing about cryo freezing. I don't know what that was Shut about. <laughs> I I was at the beginning of the trailer. I really hope that's not like why why was why was he being cryo frozen? Who is this? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. So it's it's really weird. The J. They look super cool though. Uh, all the costumes look amazing, especially Hawkman. That that Hawkman costume is dope as hell. I really like the Adam Smasher one too. Damn, I know it looks a little goofy with like the face mask, but I, I don't know. I just like it. I guess at this point that's just Adam Smasher though. The face mask kind of yeah. Um, I saw yeah. the high res images of everybody in their costume. I have not seen the trailer yet, but the idea that he doesn't come from Kandak or Kandak, and, and, and th- th- that uh, there's a chance he might have been cryogenically frozen. Oh man! If they fucked, there's no reason to mess with Black Adam's <laughs> backstory. Why would you fuck with it like that? That doesn't make yeah. any sense. Granted, I haven't yeah. seen it. No way to interpret it, make you know, and to know that that's what's going on. But come on, if they're gonna yeah, say yeah. that Black Adam was cryogenically frozen for all this time, and then he was unleashed, on, that's gonna be the dumbest shit ever, man. Didn't they learn their lesson with Doomsday? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I will. My, I will my say issue with one that thing. movie with Doomsday is completely different. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I will say for one thing in the JSA, and this is just a minor thing, it's just, I don't know, like, I, I understand they probably don't have a huge budget, so there's only so much they can do with the characters, but I, I just, I don't know, the JSA just doesn't feel totally complete without um, Alan Scott and Jay Garrick, to me at least, and I know yeah, there's, beyond a there's stuff that the they can't, dude. yeah, I know there's like only so much that they can do, and I know they're like cameoed in the Stargirl show, so... I'm sure they can find a way to fold them in, but I just, I don't know, like, 
that they just feel so classically JLA to me. I mean, they're like some of the first DC heroes. So I, I hope they find a way to work them in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, not having Jay, um, <coughs> especially Jay and and Alan, um, yeah, having them absent from the JSA is is to me no different than having a Green Lantern and a Flash not in the Justice League. It just yeah. does not sound right. You yeah. have to have one. Yeah, it's just so like, I, I'm they, not they just really up to date on Stargirl, but it looks like the members they've picked for this movie are basically members that are not present in any form in Stargirl. Mm. Really? So even even the legacy characters, like there's no Wildcat, there's no Doctor Midnight, you know, there's no Hourman, but they're characters in Stargirl. Yeah. But you think at least any of those characters would also be in the JSA here? Why is the JSA so small? Is is really yeah, I don't know. It just that, that that's to me is just like it's a minor nitpick. Like maybe they'll be featured in some other way, but I just I feel like they're so classically JSA. Like yeah. they should. There, be a there's part of it. there has to be a J. There has to be an Alan Scott Green Lantern. There has to be an Hour Man. There has to be a Doctor mm-hmm. Midnight. There's got to be a Sandman, or I'm not yeah. okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> At the very Wildcat too. I would prefer Wildcat on there as well. Yeah, yeah Wildcat would be great. Yeah. Though, to have like a a, a boxer, I know he, he had some kind of power, and he's, but he's, he's basically just a boxer going up against a literal god. And it, it feels a little one sided. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So I, I can, can, I can excuse, way. but yeah, but well, we'll see. I, like I said, I didn't hear conduct, but not necessarily that conduct's not involved. Um, it very well could be that he's he's Kondakian, if that's how you say it. Uh, we'll see. Only time will tell. Um, yeah, I just hope it turns out okay. I just hope it turns out good. I really do. Me too. And maybe Me it's too. Sony's fault, but I'm just kind of done with villain movies right now. I would blame that like on Sony. Morbius. Yeah. You shut your face. <laughs> Morbius. Shut Jared your face, Leto. man. I oh. loved that fucking movie. Whoa. So, I know so the I'm the release... only person, me and Jared Leto, <laughs> oh the only God. people on earth that like that movie. Oh but... I don't even know if Jared Leto <laughs> liked I've, I've that movie. People. Oh, he loved that movie. He thought he did a fantastic job. I think he did a great job of representing Morbius. It's just the I'm... way Sony does movies. I'm, I'm sure he did a fantastic job, but the plot does feel a little contrived. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet myself, after... so I'll reserve judgment. Everything after his transformation is a little fucking weird. Hmm. A little outside of what I expected. But the way that he did Morbius and Morbius itself, that was that was fantastic, and I'm going to be mad if that's the end of Morbius. Well, but alas. <laughs> there, there's, there's always Morbius too. It's Morbin time. So Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> Nah, it, it, for me though, if you're doing a Marvel movie about vampires, you go with the better vampire character with Blade, and you don't do uh, emo Dracula, or yeah, or just do Dracula. Morbius Dracula is a character is not in Marvel. Emo Dracula. Yeah, I don't know. To, I you guys like, don't even like that the is character. cool, you, but like that that would be just like no. I I like Morbius. I I grew up with with him on Spider Man the animated like Spider Man nineties animated series. I thought that was he was so cool on that, and then I saw him in the comics. I, I like Morbius a as a character, yeah. but I don't think he's he's big enough to hold a movie franchise. You know, <laughs> especially when you have Blade. Yeah. 
Well, I want I want Ghost Rider, I want Blade, I want Morbius, and then I want him going up against Darkhold. That's what I want. That would be cool. I need a Midnight Suns movie, a real one, not the stupid cast that they pulled together for the fucking game. I want a real Midnight Suns. <laughs> Just the Avengers with Blade. Exactly. And Ghost Rider. <laughs> Come the fuck on. Yeah. But Nick Cage gotta Ghost have, We got to have. No one else. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to see it again. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. <laughs> If they if they if they did if they did like if they did like Ghost Rider into the multiverse, you know they'd have to bring him back. And I think I'd be, I mean, be okay with it. I love yeah. how Nick Cage was able to overact transforming into a flaming skull. I know. Oh my god. It was fantastic. Why was he laughing? Like there's like I don't know what Wonderful. it is about like early two thousands Marvel movies, but some of them just have like the worst overacting you've ever seen. Like Daredevil, it's in a little bit of Fantastic Four. Spider Man does it, but it's in like kind of a lovable way. And Ghost Rider is like the epitome of it. Oh yeah. Oh, and the and the two thousand three Hulk movie. How could I forget? Oh, I feel like there was a lot of <sighs> underacting in that movie. That one was mm-hmm. very dull. <laughs> <laughs> wait, oh. wait, right. which? Who? Wait, which one what? was two thousand? Not the, uh, not, the not the Eric Edward Norton one. Yeah, the Eric. Okay. Banner, yeah. And uh, yeah, that one was uh. That one was cheesy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I blame Ang Lee for that. <laughs> but forever, we always have that joke. Don't make him Ang Lee. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, as for other movie news, <laughs> uh, we go from some potentially good news to some potentially bad. Ezra Miller's gotten himself in trouble again. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, double down on the potential. So it's another. Because... So it's another Thursday. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had we had a bit of discussion on that on Discord. <laughs> uh, so as the story goes, Ezra has uh, had had this this young girl in his entourage, if you will, that has become very close friends with that that the girl's parents, are, or sorry, they. Um, the, the reporting is very confusing as to whether they're non-binary or identifies female. It's I, I'm going to go with the idea that they're non-binary. So that that they are being groomed by Ezra Miller and and given drugs and alcohol and all sorts of other manner of nonsense and mischief. Uh, but this is just the parents' account. Uh, the the so-called victim has gone out on social media and said that these reports are false. These accusations are not true, and it's just my parents being overprotective uh, and controlling and a little bit of transphobic. So you don't know what to believe, because as, as we stated, this could very well be a, a some, some kind of case of Stockholm Syndrome. We don't know, because apparently this has been going on since they were 12. It's been like six years, something like that. So Six years. Yeah, it's something like that. Okay, I, I don't I'm not a fan of Ezra Miller. I'm not a fan of Ezra Miller as a person at all. I think that they are low lives. I haven't, I haven't hit that um, in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not going to go on a soapbox, but you are a little bitch if you use your strength to hurt somebody that is weaker than you. I don't care yeah. what their gender identity is. It doesn't matter to me if they are smaller than you or weaker than you, and you use your strength to hurt them in any way. Then you are a fucking bitch. Yeah, that's all. As, as the story goes, the this person was twelve when Ezra was twenty three when they met. 
So then they I, had I no, see, no reason what to situation be there. that is. That's a little much. <laughs> uh, a little that's, much, my ass. And number two, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's on the parents as well. Yeah. Um. The 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 they 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 have gone across country with Ezra Miller, uh, and or as far as I know, we're currently with them. So, we don't know what's going on there, but. Beyond what's previously stated, whether or not Ezra is on the raid on this, the, the, the guy's gotten in so much other shit. They, they've been arrested before, they, they've been in the news with trouble before, I think it's time to maybe just call it? Get him some help. The dude is troubled. I mean, how much more shooting could they fucking possibly need to do with the Flash <laughs> this movie? point. Can't I mean, you you've just, been yeah. what? You've been making yeah. it. We 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 made a joke about the Black Adam being made for twelve years in a row, twelve yeah. twelve years long. But honestly, that's it. We didn't even get a story kicked around until a few years ago, and um, the Flash has been shot quite a few times, times. or for, for quite some time. They they had. They had Michael Keaton come in and do some things, but how in the fuck could they possibly need to keep him around still? What what? I, I'm so fucking confused by this. It's it's been in like the, the worst development hell, and there was like you know management changes, and then I guess there was like a script change because I, I read somewhere. Actually, I didn't read it. I heard him or heard them confirm it. Like Grant Morrison had done like a treatment for a Flash movie at one point, and so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There'd been like so much like madness behind the scenes. Like, who even knows when this fucking movie's gonna come out, if ever? Yeah. At, at this point, I was even seeing someone on Twitter. I don't remember who. Uh, just say, do you try to reshoot again, or just scrap the whole thing at this point? Can't you Which... just use the footage of him? And then the movie's called Flashpoint. So after he like fixes the Flashpoint, just have a new Flash actor. The way you explain it is the timeline changed, so you have a new one. There you go. Problem and solved. no CW fans do not make it Grant Gustin. He's a no, fine yeah. Barry Allen. He's a decent Flash, but leave him in TV world. He's a CW Flash. He's a CW Flash. Yes. Actually, I was watching a clip from the latest episode this morning. I, I have not watched anything in the new season, but but seeing him speed around in, in the clip I saw, it was actually looking really good. It looked very season two. So, I don't know. I think when he's given the opportunity to be the Flash, he does a very good job. The problem is the show does not let him be the Flash. So, no, it's Team Iris. Yeah. That's not sexist. That's it's just that's Iris. what the show is even, about. Not even yeah. that anymore. I feel like that argument's just left over from Arrow, which became Felicity and Friends. But when when it comes to <laughs> it, it's it's literally that's become everybody yeah. but him. And when you when you're six or seven seasons in, and he still goes, guys, I can't beat him, and they're just like, R- run faster. What are you doing? And he, oh shit, you're Haven't right. You've been doing this for like, run very seven long. years. You know, it's just like fuck. You know what? <laughs> At a certain point, you can only get so fast. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. I think Finn Wolfhard would make a very good hmm. flash. You might be onto something there, Josh. Yeah, I don't know. He's a little young, though. Is my my concern. I, I kind of like Miller looks like he's now. fucking fourteen. He yeah. looks like yeah. a fourteen-year-old junkie. I, 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 
I don't know. I, I would if we're if we're gonna recast Barry Allen, I, I feel like maybe go for the older Barry Allen. A little older. Like let's 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 go let's go as classic as we possibly can. Let's give him like you know the fifties buzz cut, classic cop, well, if, that sort of thing. Yeah. Then if if we do go that route, then I don't want anything changed from him. I want a blonde Barry Allen. I want him to be Barry. Yeah, let's let's just like do that. Barry from the comics. If we're if we're not gonna yeah. stick with that, I mean, I, no more mishmash, man. Yeah. Like suffice it to say, as far as live action flashes go, John Wesley Ships might be the best Barry Allen we've had. <laughs> Can't really argue with that. Yeah. Well, I no, have not watched much and, of the I mean, Flash show. Yeah, Christ. I mean, considering when that was and the production value of it, it... (laughs) that's like (laughs) Adriana Chekik's uh, uh, Wonder Woman. That's that's kind of where I would parallel it with, and (laughs) (laughs) and that is for me that 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 is still better than the CW Flash. I'm not hating on it, and I love the I love the the costumes that they used. Um, that they do use in CW. I like the costume progressions. I like Killer Frost. I like Cisco, but the rest of the team can kind of just go someplace. Yeah. I don't even know why there needs to be a team. I don't either. Like, now that Cisco's gone, the they can all just go away. It. Yeah. But they got rid of the person in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but then they put a new person in the chair that doesn't spend a lot of time in the chair <laughs> oh see i haven't i haven't watched it since uh, they got rid of cisco so yeah I, I i don't even know anymore i was forced to watch last, last season and i regretted it they're still doing williamson storylines I'm, I'm over it they are they're doing williamson storylines oh they've been doing it the last two seasons they're finally getting into uh the mina dewan storyline over oh, i saw sake. godspeed was a thing and everyone was making fun of the costume I was glad I wasn't oh. watching the show anymore. Yeah, I, mean, no, I, I don't know why people really were making fun of the costume because <laughs> the costume was fairly accurate, but they made him robot. It's just well, <laughs> the problem. The problem is, and and I, I think this is. I mean, this is a problem with a lot of just comic designs in general. What some people they realize is cobalt they, too. Yeah, it was like what some people don't realize is like they don't necessarily translate that well to live action. So like you yeah. you see a, co- a costume design in comics and you're like that is the coolest thing ever, and then you translate it like exactly the same into live action and it looks goofy because it's just not really yeah. fit for that 3D perspective. Um, All right, well, so stop I don't know. Hire, stop hiring costume designers and start hiring cosplayers. You know? Yeah, well, that's I'm just like, like I, I remember when the Captain America costume came out, and people were like, "Oh, why does it have like you know the wingtips and like all the classic stuff?" And it's like, yeah, that looks great that in look- you know, a, yeah, it looks it looks great in in a in a four color panel. But if you had it, you know, while he's running around throwing his shield, it would just look ridiculous. Yeah, he was in the middle of a war. If he was exactly. going to battle in the costume he wore on stage during all the USO shows. It'd be great. Exactly. It would be counterintuitive. He'd be spotted right away. He'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, I mean, let's be honest. If you're going to nitpick about those little fucking weird ass wings sticking off the top of his head, you got bigger problems. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That looks silly in the comics. Yeah. To me, anyway. I mean, what purpose does that serve? 
Captain America's got. I mean, it's gonna be like that. The heffalump. The the when danger strikes, he can float, fly himself away. <laughs> Wings on the side yeah. of Captain America make 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 no sense to me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fine for a comic book design. It just doesn't translate to live action. I think a lot of costumes are like Not that. At all. There's there's no there's no point in making it look exactly the same because it's just gonna look goofy. So that's probably why everyone was like, "What the fuck is this? This looks ridiculous." Where I thought know, it was great. Doesn't work. I, I I've love got a friend that I had an Captain issue America with Thor costume. Ragnarok because they cut his hair. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I, people I don't will know find that. a reason to bitch about anything. You know. mm-hmm. I do, uh, so I know everybody else does. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> mm. Okay, well that's that's all the movie news I've got for now. I really wish you would have gave the Ezra Miller shit first. <laughs> I probably should have. It's just I, I read it in nah, the I'm order just I wrote it. Black and, Adam uh, was half and half too. That, that probably would have been better. <laughs> Let's do it the other way. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Brandon, do you you have any um, news? Yeah, I'll get through uh, my comic news kind of quickly so we can uh, get into our, our books for this week. Um, but uh, the most exciting one for me, at least, was an announcement that just came out today. Uh, Ash Williams from Evil Dead and and all the Evil Dead sequels is going to be writing a Sergeant Rock book where he fights some Nazi zombies. And if that isn't Yay. enough to get you to read it, then you have something wrong with you and you don't like fun. Um, no, this is super awesome. And, and I mean, I just like aside from the fact that they got freaking Bruce Campbell to write a Sergeant Rock series, and I, I was so glad it's not Batman. Like, pl- yes, please embrace someone else because i could have easily seen batman versus vampires or, or batman versus yeah. the dead or something but instead they're doing easy company versus nazi zombies which is like the best thing ever like how can you not like that they're fighting zombies and they're fighting Wait, nazis it's, hold on it's, it's all easy you could company want. or is it the howling commandos uh well no easy company sergeant rocks group howling commandos is a nick fury um Oh shit! But yeah, That's no, right. this will okay. be yeah. This will this will be this will be Sergeant Rock and I assume the rest of Easy Company, uh, fighting off Nazi zombies during World War II. Like, how can you not love it? Um, so yeah, this will be coming out in September uh, the twenty seventh. The official title is DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, uh, which is a fun little callback uh, to Army of the Dead. <clears throat> um, Oh, yeah. And I think I think definitely exciting as well uh, will be illustrated by none other than Eduardo Riso, which I'm definitely looking forward to because he's great at horror. So yeah, lots yeah. of cool stuff there. Indeed. Um, oh, yeah. Go. No. Uh, <laughs> the other one I have is is also pretty minor. Uh, Joshua Williamson did an AMA on Reddit, which I didn't see, so I don't really use Reddit anymore. Um, but. They posted it on Adventures in Poor Taste and just kind of like grabbed the most important <laughs> stuff. Um, and uh, some of the some of the points that were mentioned, um, what what's so funny? Uh, I, is that a subreddit, Adventures in Poor Taste? I haven't found that one. That oh no, like, no 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 no! Oh, that's a it. website. Oh god, yeah oh, no no that's god. that's the website. They they took the the subreddit from R slash DC Comics. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, some of the some of the important beats that were mentioned by Joshua Williamson. Uh, where that the JSA would be featured in Dark Crisis. Uh, Dark Crisis has a scene of the Bat family and the Titans together. Raven apparently has a big moment in the series, as well as 
there's a lot of interaction between John Kent and Black Adam. Dr. Light also has a big moment. Um, and apparently, and I think this will put a smile on your face, Josh, despite your feelings towards Joshua Williamson. Uh, this is a direct quote uh, from the article. It says, if you're a fan of Kyle Rayner, you will be happy. Also the new gods, but Kyle Rayner is specified first. So Yay. There, there should be something there for you. Um, in addition to that, there were some uh, preview images that were also teased um, that had been previously unreleased. Uh, just some really fantastic art from Daniel Sampier uh, and also featuring the Titans Academy kids getting the shit beat out of them. But I'm going to get into that later. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of stuff later. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's uh, that's all I have for comics this week. One more thing I was going to mention I forgot. Two TV comic book releases happened in the past week or two. The Boys Season 3 is finally here, and it is gruesome yeah. as fuck. And that's before we even get to Herogasm. And and Anthony Starr <laughs> is just fucking smearing his acting chops all over everything. Oh, yeah. Wait but a second. I'm, Hold I'm, on. It's already been uh, out? It's been released? First three uh, episode episodes, four dude. comes out tomorrow, yeah. Yep. Oh my god, I have completely yeah, missed yeah. this. I've been sitting also, here waiting for it. Dude. Also, we, we haven't gotten a ton episode. of him yet, but he's supposed to be in C- or in episode four. Jensen Ackles' Soldier Boy is like yeah. the disgustingly sexist version of Captain America that I don't know that yeah. we needed, but I feel like we deserve <laughs> it uh, because it is so, I mean, wonderfully you, hilarious. Soldier Boy is something else, man. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, it's gonna be fantastic. We we I, without giving anything away to the plot, we have seen some of Jensen Ackles so far within the first three episodes, and it. But it was a flashback. Uh, he's not yet yeah. made it to the present, so it is it is gonna be super interesting to see him interact with all these people. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm just super excited for Herogasm. I know that sounds disgusting to say, but I am. <laughs> every yeah, every I time mean, there's an god. article about it, it's, <laughs> like Anthony Starr refuses to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, he, he just can't bring like, to do it. I don't Jensen blame Eccles him. said that one of the crew members were like violently shook by it. Oh yeah, the camera. Yeah. Man, he was like, some I've seen some shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't know for sure if this was during Herogasm or what, but apparently there was a moment. Uh, there was a scene that they had to shoot with Soldier Boy and Jensen Ackles went to Eric Kripke and was like, "I can't do it, man. I'm a family man. I've got kids. I, this, yeah. is, this is too much. I need to save my soul." So they had to change the scene on the fly because it was too oh much even God. for him. So, Damn. yeah, this uh, show's going to some fucking places. Jensen Ackles Jeez. has had some ridiculous limits before, so I can't take that any kind of way. I mean, they had to. Well, I would have. I would have. They had to change the end of Supernatural because he wouldn't have a. He wouldn't kiss a guy. Well, I, I would. I, I want to call shenanigans in that. That might just be the fan yeah. base. I refuse to believe that was ever actually in the script. Yeah, no, that uh, that was, from what I've heard, that was a huge rumor. But I, I would have thought after working with Kripke for so long, he would have been like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But it must have been really fucked up if it's if, yeah. if he had to draw the limit there. So I'm uh, I'm cautious about that. Really yeah, it's gonna be, we'll see. It's going to be fucked up. And Miss Marvel the name, like, dropped yesterday. Yeah. Which I have not watched yet. Oh, yeah, I, I like literally forgot that happened. Not because it's bad or anything. It's just like there's so much that's coming out. Yeah, this, it's been a heavy week. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, it but nothing but good things. Oh, Oops, God. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that would. Yeah. I guess, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I just been so focused on the boys. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Ah, God, I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. Oh, Josh, when when you get through the first ten minutes of episode one, text me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see I want to know your reaction to what happens to that poor man okay <laughs> yes thank oh, you oh shit new trailer for uh, for Gotham Knights yeah, oh yeah the one yeah. where it shows we'll have to... dick fighting yeah, defending Summer Games Fest is on right now yeah, yeah. I just yeah, saw that I'll take a look at that after okay alright yes I guess before we get into the yeah, I guess before yeah. we get into the comics that we're actually talking about today, I'm going to throw out a couple of honorable mentions. Feel free to agree or disagree with me. But uh, Static uh, Static Season 1 graphic novel just released. Go buy it if you have not been reading the book. It is a fantastic title. Uh, graphic novel is a fantastic way to read this because of the way that the because of the pacing that's in the issues. So uh, definitely go pack that up. Everybody out there loves Static Shock. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old, 33 years old, and grew up with them. It doesn't matter. Static is an amazing character, and this is a really good book. So go buy that. Um, Batman Beyond Neo Year number three. <sighs> Dudes, this feels so dretching, Batman Beyond. It is totally <laughs> shway. I so can... It's so sure. Definitely rips. I, uh, it definitely rips. It definitely rips. Oh, it definitely rips yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> fantastic. I wish we would have had time to include it in our reviews this week because it is a really good title. Um next is Monkey Prince number five. It is still pretty damn fun. And yeah. it somehow managed to work in the trench into a monkey prince story <laughs> that didn't piss me off. So kudos to you, <laughs> Mr. Uh Wang, Yang, Yang. Yeah. I almost I said Wang. It's, it's Yang. And then um, Dark Knights of Steel number seven came out. Man, the epic continues, and it does so incredibly beautifully. Check that out. Yeah. And then finally, the 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 last title I'm gonna mention right now is Batman Killing Time number four. Exceptionally average. With heavy dialogue and the dumb ancient Greece uh, tie-ins, which are becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, I I threw this in here just this week to say, don't support this shit. It started off strong, just like every other book he writes, and now it's turning into total dung. Um, This week, I am all about keeping bad books off the shelf, so it is my duty as a comic-reading citizen to tell you, avoid this at all costs. I'm saving this for the trade. Uh, I got to issue two, and I knew that there was no way I could read this every month. So yep. maybe it'll read better as a complete story, but uh, I cannot do this monthly. Maybe. It is like pointy. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. <clears throat> maybe. Maybe that's what it is, but I am just done with it. At the very least, skip the ancient Greek stuff and save it for after. Read it all as one story. Yeah. It was kind of a cool mechanic for the first issue, but it's just kind of tired. So let's move on from that and shine our spotlight on some books for this week that we think are worth your time. So I I am going honorable mention. Sorry. Oh, I I got one honorable mention. I forgot. I was going to, I forgot to tell you guys throwing in the script. Uh, DC pride 2022 came out this week. Oh shit. shit. I forgot about that. 
definitely check it out. I have not gone through the whole thing. It's 110 pages. It's a lot. Uh, so there's a lot of stories, but a lot of good stories. They all look really friggin' good, especially the last one uh, written by Kevin Conroy called Finding Batman is just beautiful. Um, and I, I feel I, I weird read calling it, it just a, a great story, but it's his story. And it is, I've, I've really read on the good. I've read on the internet that uh, Kevin Conroy's story is one of the best DC story single single story stories. I don't know how to say that different. Um, uh, that 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 DC has put out in recent years, which yeah. I mean that really has my interest peaked. Yeah, it's, it's definitely base, up there the with fact tap, that it's based on an actual short story. Oh Jesus. Yeah, I, I really, yeah, I was, I was going to compare it to the tap, tap, tap. It's, it's if, just oh tons God, of Am I going to cry yeah. again? Tap, tap, tap. I wouldn't go that far, but like, <laughs> tap, tap, tap was very emotional. This mm-hmm. is, is very raw and very real. Yeah. And it is, it's literally his, his story uh, going into the biz uh, as an actor, as a young actor. So, <clears throat> okay. and, and him coming out later on in life. So it's. It's really good leading up to him being cast as Batman in the anime series in the 90s. Uh, beyond right that, on. we have a, a whole slew of other stories. Uh, and look for a special podcast coming out soon highlighting every story in that book. You all are recording this Saturday, correct? We are recording this Saturday. Myself, Jess, and Caitlin I have on the list so far. Fantastic. Then we will have that episode out for you listeners on Sunday. Alright. Alright. Spotlight time. Time for spotlights. Yeah, well, spe- well, speaking of the Pride books, that's actually a good way to segue into our first spotlight for this week, which is a Pride-themed book uh, for this month, for Pride Month, obviously, um, and that is Multiversity Teen Justice number one. So I'm going to pass that over to Rob. All right. So that is, as Brandon said, Multiversity Teen Justice number one. As uh, written by Ivan Cohen and Danny Lohr, with art from Marco Faila, colors from Enrica Aaron Angelini, letters from Carlos and Manguel, and a cover, a really nice cover from Robbie, Rodri- <coughs> Robbie Rodriguez. <clears throat> it was really nice. I like Rodriguez's yeah. cover. I didn't. I didn't even recognize it at first. I, I didn't see that until I saw him post the cover on his Instagram. So yeah, really interesting. It's quite good. All right, so we are seeing a quick return to Teen Justice from Earth Eleven, where we have Aquagirl, Robin, Supergirl, Clarion, the Witch Girl, Kid Quick, and Troy. They are saving the day against Hive when Kid Quick speeds a girl named Gigi away from danger and, after the battle, takes her to her destination that she was trying to reach in the first place, which also happens to be the Church of Blood, led by none other than Sister Blood. Oh boy. So, as time goes on in the issue, Robin and Supergirl are investigating what Hive was trying to do, uh, but they end up running into Thunder and Lightning, the Pierce Daughters, uh, who make quick work of the dynamic duo, and we then discover that Sister Blood is actually a Green Lantern, none other than Sinestra, working with a female Kilowog, using the new recruits to the church to power some kind of machine for an untold reason. As of yet. So we will find that out. And I want, to burn, I want to burn the image of a female Kilowog from my mind. <laughs> It was very, it was very disturbing. 
Because the, the, the literally I, just I kill the name with, of, with a wig of and boots. <laughs> and maybe this is just how they look. So the ball of I, I don't know. I guess I was expecting a different design, but it kind of just looks like Kilowog in a wig. And it's really yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It sounded like a Seinfeld bit. But I don't know. It was just like, it was like uncomfortable <laughs> to see at first. What's the deal with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it it is it is awkward. It's it's a skinny kilowog with boobs and a, and a brown <laughs> wig. I it just I, it just caught me off guard at first. I was like, oh, oh god. But every time you see, like, to be fair, that in in meme continuity, the ball of axions are all dead. The planet blew up. Kilowog's the last oh. one. But anytime you see yeah. in his memories or in a construct. None of them have hair. <laughs> Not a single one. Yeah, like, <laughs> so why does this one have long, long flowing luscious know. brown locks? <laughs> it's called Smurf Law. Uh, yeah, I guess. That's, that's, yeah, that's fair. That yep. See, the only female ball of axiom, and she has to have hair. <laughs> yep. Has to have blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. It would have been better to just call her Kilowagette. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, they changed Sinestro's name, right? Oh no, that was that was the other thing I had in my notes that I, I wanted to mention before I uh, forgot. So I guess I guess Kilowog is a gender neutral name because the Maybe. name isn't changed here. Like it's not it's not yeah. like Kilowog with like an A. It's the same spelling. So it I is, guess it, it's the it's same. It's a gender neutral name. So the more you know. Yeah. Fair enough. There you go. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. <laughs> well then, yeah. Even the Sinestra instead of Sinestro. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, as for the whole issue, uh, it was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I'm going to be honest with you. And I saw this. I'm like, I'm all for more multiversity stories, and I'm all for more of of Kid Quick. Um, and I love the idea of Teen Justice. That was really cool. But I thought this was going to be a simple one-off story. Uh, but it's it's going a little deeper than I thought, which is, is really interesting and taking some some hints or some uh, notes that I did not expect, such as Sinestra and and female Kilowog. So <laughs> uh, I thought that that was really cool. So I, I gave this one an eight point five. I think the art was really good. The story's interesting, and honestly, I'm hoping we can get more multiversity comics down the line. It really feels like multiversity is just the new age uh, Elseworlds realistically yeah you have, a, you have an alternate universe story to tell slap multiversity on it and pick a number mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i was guess. i was happy to give this one an uh, an 8.25 i actually had a lot of fun um as well not expecting anything from this title i think they marketed it kind of weird because it was advertised as a multiversity book and immediately people's minds are going to go to oh is it a sequel is it a follow-up you know to the big multiversity event for morrison and everything but Really, this is just kind of its its own, I would say, self-contained story. I mean, obviously, there's probably some stuff building with, with um, you know, Kid Quick um, and, and their storyline. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, for the most part, it just kind of seems to be like a fun, you know, self-contained adventure with Teen Justice, which seems to be a fun idea. Um, and I don't really have a problem with it. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of just here for the ride. And, uh, and it, it did it in a lighthearted enough and compelling way that you know i was like yeah i can sign on for this for six issues assuming it doesn't lose the plot anytime soon so 
yeah, I'd, I'd fun with it. Um, and I really, really dug uh, some of the art in this. I think the colors in particular was, uh, was the standout for me. So, yeah, 8.5 or 8.25 out of 10. Um, so, <coughs> so I opened this up uh, knowing exactly what the premise was. I mean, basically, whatever story we were going to get, it was uh, our heroes in a gender-swapped world. We've already been introduced to most of them, either in book or solicitation. Um, on the very first page i immediately thought oh boy an lgbtqia version of earth 3 yippee and then as i read more i warmed up to it a, a bit um not all the way this 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 has the beginnings of a, gr- uh, a borderline great story i'm just not completely sold yet they got to change my mind pretty quickly because it is only a six issue run um I just I I don't want it that that Earth three feel where it's it's just generic other versions. So far, it looks like it has the potential. Um, we'll see where it goes. The art was fantastic most of the time. There some places where it was less than stellar, and I am just going to put it here. Robin's uh, character design is completely awful. I can't stand it. It looks ridiculous. Um, I don't like it at all. Um, but the rest are really good. And the voices for the characters are fantastic. They did a great job doing that. I think it was an okay setup issue. And I may have pointed out a lot of negative parts about it. But that said, I do think that it was a really good setup issue and that the art was pretty damn good and that shaped my score. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Fair I just don't fair basically enough. I don't yeah. like the the way Robin looks. <laughs> fair enough. Well, I will say it's not the most original design. I think that's the same one that they used for the new 52 Earth 2 book. Very similar, if I'm remembering. Um, But I I, I didn't hate that costume, honestly. So I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm more of an issue with Raven's costume because it's literally just a hoodie. (laughs) Actually, that didn't bother me so much. I guess because I'm so used to seeing Gar outside of a costume. Maybe Uh, that's it. Yeah. But Um, I really, well, I guess there's one final point, and this is yet another small point. I really hope no one in this book ever refers to, I forget if they referred to him as that in this book or maybe in the press announcements, but I truly hope no one in this book ever refers to Troy as Donald Troy ever again. Oh, because God. Donald is the most, Donald, I know they're yeah. uh, they're going for the gender swap thing, but I was like, Donald just sounds like the most ridiculous name for the Troy character. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, Donna, if, if I you, get as a as a yeah as as like kind of a a Greekish name, but I'm like Donald. Oh my god! Did they call him Donald in this? I might have missed that. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't remember. But I I might I might just be thinking of like the official name they gave him in like the press release or something. But I truly hope that it's, they never actually Troy. refer to him as that. <laughs> yeah, just just use Troy. I'm fine with that. Or don't or ever call him Don. Don. Don yeah. Maybe? No, yeah, or Don. Don, Don would be a little Don. bit better. Donnie. not Donald not no Donald Donnie. that makes him sound like he's 60 years old and Kiefer Sutherland's yeah. father 
Um, yes. Uh, Donnie would be okay, but I ultimately, yeah, I would prefer okay. that he never was. See, I, if I hear Don, I automatically, there was a post on Twitter about, about um, DC liking the same first names over and over again. There's a whole bunch of different Jasons, for example. But um, Don, I, I hear Don, and even though he hasn't been uh, Dove for a long time, that's instantly where my head goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So if they have to use one, let's go with Donnie, but I prefer that they just keep it Troy. Yeah, yeah. let's just do Troy. Please don't call him Donald. Anyway, easier. minor points. Small point <laughs> at best. Um, yeah. All right. Our next book, continuing with the Pride Month theme, uh, is Nubia. Oh, shit. My bad. I'm sorry. Wait. Okay. Yeah, well, I no, that's right. it. It's yeah, Nubia. That's it's Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number one. I was going to let you introduce it, but anyway, sorry. Oh. Yeah. No, that is Nubia, Queen Nubia. of the Amazons, keeping up with our Pride Month theme, and I'm going to pass it over to Josh. It is completely all right. Okay, so this one was written by Stephanie Williams, um, art from Alita Martinez, Mark Morales, and John Livesay. I'm going to assume that's what his last name is. Uh, it was colored by Alex Yam, uh, Umarius. And letters from, I had to look up how to say his last name. Letters from Becca Carey with a cover done by Carrie Randolph and Emilio Lopez that I really enjoyed. Um, so this book started out with some dude getting beat up and killed by someone who is doing it pretty nonchalantly while watching the news about the Amazons <coughs> becoming more involved and present in the world of, 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 around them. Um, we go to three weeks ago and we see a lot of pages about Amazons working together, loving life right before Nubia and the others go to the Hall of Justice, which is back to the normal time present. There's some strange things going on here, like the like the supercomputer in the Hall of Justice, not secure whatsoever, not even with a password. Um, Swamp Thing is there. But in, in any case, most of this part is the JL giving the Amazons a tour of the hall and Hawk Girl challenging Nubia to a sparring match. Um, then we're in then we're in Brazil where Nubia and the others are standing up against the deforestation of the rainforest and they are attacked by the soldiers from that mystery person earlier causing a mudslide and a cliffhanger. Oh no, an Amazon, one of the strongest ones, was hit by a tree. Gee, I wonder if she'll survive. This this was okay. If, if I'm honest, it felt like I was reading an uninspired filler issue. We got a new villain, but nothing about them. A couple of things at the Hall of Justice that really didn't make much sense. And a cliffhanger that was absolutely ridiculous. The art mostly looks great, but I have seen better from Martinez and Morales. Uh, maybe it was the new guy, I don't know. <laughs> but in any case, I didn't hate it, but... I borderline feel like I wasted my time with it. I gave it a 6.75 out of 10. Dang. All right. Um, yeah, I was well, in I'm a happy. shitty mood this week, guys. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I get that. I, I get that, honestly. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I was, yeah. it's completely founded, I think. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was kind of feeling a similar way because I was conflicted about this issue because I... I don't know. I, I didn't hate it either, 
right? Like it's not a bad issue by any means. It's just like as a, as a first issue, it's a it's gonna suck. It's a it's kind of a sloppy first issue. I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's not it's not yeah. a great like start, right? Like, and maybe that's because of all the baggage with Trial of the Amazons and the previous Nubia series. I don't know. It just something about this first issue just felt kind of flat and 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 sloppy. It didn't feel like it gave you the clean break that I might have hoped for for the new era of you know Queen Nubia after the trial. Um, so I don't know. And maybe I just wasn't really interested in the plot either. It just there were a lot of things that weren't really working for me in this one. Um, and the art was not bad by any means. Just kind of dull which I think was fitting with the rest of the issue. Um, so can't really fault it for that. So I gave this one a 7 out of 10. I think I wanted to be nicer about it, but honestly, I'd just be lying to myself if I gave it something higher. So. Okay, so, so DC, hear me out, right? So you've had this story <laughs> with Nubia over the past year, and, and just, just bear with me, okay? Try and follow what I'm saying. Instead of three different titles following the same story with three different number ones in a year why don't you and i know this might sound crazy just have it all in one freaking book <gasps> i know it's a little out there i know that sounds crazy but i think it might just work you know I, maybe if this was issue seven works for Marvel. or eight <laughs> Might have felt a little bit better <laughs> instead of a number one. And uh, just uh, maybe I'm just getting tired of all these mini series as well. It seems crazy that I want to go and do the math of the past year of how many mini series we got versus ongoings. <laughs> it's, it feels oh, like we're getting up an insane amount really? of minis. Um, hey, yeah, while you're so... doing that, let's let's get the count of all the oh. anthology books too. Yeah. Hmm. There's been a lot. <laughs> I a don't lot. hate them all, but there's been a lot. Yeah. So some interesting yeah. publishing going on. Um, well, I think this, because though, they realize. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I think because they realized Detective Comics number 1000 and Action Comics number 1000 made them a fuck ton of money. They realized that they need to do it forever. So here we are. <laughs> so everyone gets an anniversary book. His Your mother gets into the fact that maybe it's the thousandth issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it must be because there's multiple stories of them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so if this was, like I said, issue seven or eight in a series, it <coughs> would have felt a lot better because, as as you guys said, for an issue number one, is kind of lackluster, kind of falls flat. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily a bad story. It's it's interesting enough so far, uh, and I'm happy to see more Nubia. Uh, just, just don't end it. I'm hoping it doesn't end. Like we need diversity in our publishing line, and when I say diversity, I mean characters that aren't Batman. So this is perfect. Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, there's there's not too much going on with Wonder Woman right now. You have Wonder Girl, you cancel it. You had Nubia, you, you minis. You have Wonder Woman, and it's falling flat. So just keep this going. And we got Halpolita coming soon, so that that better be freaking good. Um, just, just it is just a one-shot. the Wonder just, Woman line, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, and especially with the, the amount of people in this book, there's so much to do with these characters and all the characters that you've introduced and all the characters already exist that it's just it's too much for just four issues. So just Agreed. keep it going. I, I'd say I'd say they should just like 
just just gamble and take a chance on all these characters and just say like hey we're gonna try a bunch of new series and see if they work so Artemis won't just be a one shot. Artemis will get a series, and people like Nubia. Let's give her a series. The main Wonder Woman series. We can have you know, maybe Wonder Girls because Batgirls is kind of working right now. So you can have a book with Donnie, yeah. Donnie, Donna, Cassie, <laughs> and, and oh my god, because it's in my brain. Um, Donna, Cassie, and and Yara, right? And then you have your yeah. whole Wonder family. But I just don't think they're gonna take a a, a gamble like that. So. I yeah. dig that idea, but here, break it down. Cassie and Yara are, are in one book, and then Artemis and Donna are together. Now that's an interesting dynamic between. Yeah, well, I mean, what what I what I would prefer is that Donna could hold her own book like Wally oh, God, and Dick yeah. and all the others, but yeah. I know that that's not feasible. That would be great. You could have a a essentially a Nightwing, but for Donna Troy, just, you know, yep. like tailored to her, her world. Um, but that would be so I know cool. that's not feasible. Yeah, that would be awesome, but I know it's not feasible. So I'm trying, trying to make the best of it. Uh, but uh, that's, that's what I would do. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. These, these miniseries are starting to feel kind of pointless. Yeah. Uh, so as far as this goes, if I look at it as a one overarching story, I gave it an eight point five. As a as a first issue, seven point five. It is what it is. It is what it is. Because it can't be anything else. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I wish it could be issue seven. <laughs> okay, so technically all. it could be something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of issue number ones and maybe ones that might be a little bit more pleasing than this one, our final spotlight for today is Aquaman Andromeda number one of three, a new black label title from Messrs. Rom V with art from Christian Ward and letters from Aditya Bidikar. Yes, that is the whole team because Christian Ward is freaking powerhouse who draws inks and colors his own work i don't understand it but he does it uh so yeah this is aquaman andromeda book one a reimagining of aquaman if i am reading this correctly that starts with an expedition team uh aboard a i guess submersible type of thing or, or some kind of undersea ship uh known as the andromeda that is making an expedition to the deep undersea trenches to locate some kind of mysterious signal that is underneath the sea. Uh, interspersed with this, not too much, uh, we get the story of a man caught between two worlds, a man you might have heard of before named Arthur Curry, king of the seas, but also not so much king of the land, but just a man of the land, who feels like king he of is the boat crossed, but king of the boat makers. Yeah, that's appropriate. Um who is, as he normally is, torn between two worlds, Atlantis and the surface world, trying to determine which one is better for him uh, and get some a bit of a foreboding message as to what may be lying below the surface of Atlantis should he return. Um, <clears throat> on the Easter Islands, we get a brief introduction to a what I believe to be a reimagining of Black Manta, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't think this is his father. Um, who is also looking for this mysterious signal that is coming from below the sea um, and is trying to intercept the signal before the Andromeda can get there. 
but most of the issue focuses on getting to know the rest of the Andromeda team as they continue their expedition uh, before reaching, I guess, the perimeter of the signal and running into what I can only describe as, and I'm checking my notes here, a Kraken, because I think that's yes. really what this is. It doesn't look like some kind of giant squid or an octopus. No, this is a fucking Kraken. Uh, and Even this on the book, it shows it. In, it shows it in two different panels where it's where yeah. Kraken is written on a book. So I mean, I think yeah. they were trying yeah. to. Yeah, and and uh, I, I wrote this joke earlier uh, this week. I didn't think it was funny, but I thought I'd at least throw in there. And I and I put this Kraken be Kraken. This um, Kraken be Kraken because <laughs> because, because I have no out. humor. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this this Kraken do indeed be Kraken. Uh, at least until Arthur shows up and dispatches him, and the members of the Andromeda are shocked and stunned by the appearance of a strange man who seemed to be able to hold off this Kraken and force him underseas. Um, like I said, in this world, it is a reimagining of Aquaman. So I guess the surface world doesn't have full context, or at least the public surface world doesn't have full context for Aquaman is just yet. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much Aquaman Andromeda. They get their first glimpse of this mysterious creature, but as 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 well as the mysterious uh, man that can float between the seas. Um, and uh, further mysteries are to ensue as to what this signal actually contains and what mysteries are lurking below the sea. Um, this was, I think, a really great debut, but I didn't look at the reviews for this book. I've kind of stopped doing that. but I, I, So I, I don't really know what people are saying. But I, I could totally understand if there is criticism about this book in that Aquaman isn't really present in it. I get that. I get the feeling that he will be in later issues. I understand he was largely absent from that. And I understand that that is, that is a, valued, or a valid criticism to, to um, you know, have against this book. It's called Aquaman Andromeda. And Aquaman isn't entirely present in it that much. That being said, as a, I guess, as a story and as, as a setting and everything, I freaking love this book. Christian Ward is just so amazing. And the art is very stylized. I get it will not be for everyone, but I think this just works so well for the undersea vibe that it, it like, I couldn't imagine anyone else drawing this book. And I think Ron V in particular works incredibly well with um, Christian Ward's strengths, just really giving him the best stuff that he can draw, especially when it comes to the scenes with the Kraken or scenes of uh, the brief scenes that we get of Aquaman, like swimming undersea, like all of it is just wonderfully visual. And it's, I mean, you can tell this is going to be a really visual book. And I, I put in my notes, um, this is one of those books that you know is going to be special. Like you, when you pick it up, you just feel it. Like you're like, yeah, this is going to be something like a, like a Wonder Woman Dead Earth or something like that. One of the recent Black Label books where you read this and you're like, yeah, this is going to have an absolute edition giant oversized hardcover in a couple of years i get the feeling that it will i don't want to say it's going to be perfect and it could totally you know shit the bed at any point but i get the feeling that we're in for something really special and i was really excited for this one in particular so aquaman andromeda just a wonderful book this one got an 8.75 out of me i was really tempted to give it a nine but i, I did have to kind of deduct points because I, I wish we had got some more aquaman from the book but i imagine that will be coming soon so i'm sure my score will go up what did you guys think? Christ on a cracker, that <coughs> story. <laughs> I mean, it's it's dramatic, it's slow, it draws in emotional investment. It is Rom V. 
hands down, that's what it is. Um, he writes the same way in every book, but he does it so appropriately for each character. It's it's like he's been writing stories that he's had in his head for 10, 20 years. Uh, this one is absolutely no different. I'm, I'm very interested in the next two issues to see where this goes. Um, and like, like, like Brandon said, just fucking whoa, Christian Ward, dude. Um, I love his art style. I will always love his art style. Uh, I couldn't pick up a part, anything that I didn't like about it because I just, I love Christian Ward so much. Um, I could find a few panels where I was like, well, I guess he did that one pretty quickly, but I mean, shit. So far, man, I am a fan. Solid 8 out of 10. I I like to say uh, Christ in a whole wheat cracker because I like to think that maybe he's watching a sodium intake. But I agree. <laughs> it's a damn good our Lord, so Our far. Lord does love to, to watch his calories. He yeah, told me. As, as you should. <laughs> he told you in a dream. He in came a dream. To me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> as for Aquaman Andromeda, it's honestly beautiful art with such a horror esque story. Um, and I know Rom V teased it when it was announced that it was basically Aquaman as a horror story, and there's not a lot of horror yet, but you can definitely see it coming. And and it's yes. issue one. You have to set the tone before you get really dark. So I suspect the next couple of issues are going to be very thrilling if you will uh but it's the tone's definitely there they're, they're setting yeah. up something beautiful i think <clears throat> i i really hope they explore more about arthur in this uh where if they leave it open that's fine but i'm very curious about his costume with the the uh yeah i don't know what's going on with that i mean yeah, i like it but yeah, i wonder what the explanation like the, I, I, I want to say it's coral on his body in places, on his armor. <clears throat> but it seems to come and go as well. So that was very interesting. Yeah. I, I gave it a 9 out of 10. This this one, something. It's going to be one of the best black labels to come out, I think. Definitely. My, my only complaint uh, just about this being a black label book is we have to wait two freaking months for the next issue. Which is yeah. killing me. <laughs> Just like, oh God, can I just have it now? Like the next one doesn't come out until August second, which is painful. I really hope they don't delay it indefinitely, or in, indefinitely, like with the Swamp Thing Green Hell. It just oh Jesus, don't do that to me, please. I know. Oh, that was such a great first issue, and now we never know when it'll come back. Uh. All right, well, if we're all out of spotlights for this week, I think we will turn off our spotlight and take a brief commercial break before coming back to gab about some of our main reviews for this week. So stay tuned. We will be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. We are going to continue with our main reviews for this week, starting with... Uh, the second biggest event at DC right now, I would say, uh, and that is Flashpoint Beyond. So I'm going to hand that over to Rob and give us all the details on that. All right. Yeah. Uh, so this is Flashpoint Beyond number two of six, I believe, or five. Might be six. 
Uh, this is Six, from yes. writers Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams, with art by Zermanico and Mikhail Yanin on the last two pages. Uh, colors from Romula Fajardo Jr. and Jordi Belair, also on the last two pages. And letters from Rob Lee and a wonderful cover by Mitch Gerads. Uh, so Dr. Batman is still investigating this clockwork killer while yes. also trying to find out why his world is back. And while inspecting the site of his casino that recently went under in flames, if I remember correctly, he's asked about Roger Hayden, who claims that Batman is supposed to be Bruce Wayne. Thomas, now in Batman gear, goes to Arkham Asylum to question him with his multiversal knowledge, but instead finds him hanged in his cell with writing on the wall alluding to the fact that he is not the real Roger Hayden. On his way out, he comes across Gilda Dent, Harvey's wife. He tries to ask her about what she saw, but she refuses to answer. Instead, quickly figuring out that he is in fact Thomas Wayne and wants to know about her son. She sees a poker chip in his hand and asks for it, and he gives it to her. She mentions that she saw nothing but heard him being strangled by his bedsheets, much like her daughter who was hanged, and then compares Harvey's choices to Thomas's, saying that he was a bad father to Bruce. This enrages Thomas, and he punches the glass window to the cell, and Gilda says she can hit harder than that, smashing her face repeatedly into the broken glass over and over until half her face is cut up or missing. And we've just seen the Flashpoint 2 face. So he escapes the prison and then runs off for his next lead, coming across the rogues, that's the Flash's rogues, assaulting a woman in an alley. He makes quick work of them, but before he can finish with Captain Boomerang, Project S1, the Superman of this world, arrives to tell him that everything matters. And now on Earth Zero, Bruce is still seeing the young Time Master who threatens that the longer he holds on to the snow globe and watch, the sooner Rip will come back to take it, or the true owner if they arrive first. So before Whatever I get into be. my theories, I'm also kind of curious. So I, I know I've read, read, registered this before, but there's three writers on this book. And it's Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams. Now, this is a story so far mm -hmm. that seems very much Jeff Johns that he could write himself based on what we've seen. And it has to do with a lot of stuff he's written in the past. Uh, connections yeah. to Doomsday Clock and Flashpoint and New 52. <laughs> So what are Tim Sheridan and Jeremy <laughs> Adams doing here? Making so, sure Jeff Johns doesn't Jeff Johns it. <laughs> it's very I, possible. I, I assumed it. I, yeah, I assumed it was like story support slash like plot, um, like like they're they're lending plot ideas. But honestly, the I'm I'm right there with you. The script feels like anything I've ever read from Jeff Johns. If you had told yeah. me that the other writers were not involved at all, I would have like had no problem. It doesn't feel like they have anything. Exactly. It, it feels much like a Jeff John story so far. Which leads me to yeah. believe, if you look at their recent works, you have Jeremy Adams currently on The Flash and Tim Sheridan that recently had TTA. What if there's connections? Because at this point, I mentioned this in our chat, I'm curious how much this story has to do with the overall arc from the New 52 where Flashpoint yeah. led directly into that, and then there was an overall universal story for the New 52 that was headed by Jeff Johns. And it eventually fell apart, and we got um, Rebirth instead, where they basically brought back a lot of the original characters and storylines because people kept complaining. So, and that's all fine and well, but then the, the plot for the New 52 kind of fell to the wayside. 
and whatever we had with uh, Pandora and and the other two lost souls. Um, the oh, question God. and Trinity War. Yeah, yeah. the tr- <laughs> and, and the Phantom Stranger. Uh, yeah, which I don't know how you guys felt. I thought that was an interesting redux for both of them, but it was really weird. I liked Trinity War. I actually liked Trinity yeah. War. Although to be but fair, the conditions of me reading that anywhere. were, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so so I'm curious if maybe this is Jeff Johns seeing what has happened with the players he made and maybe he can try and cap off the story he has and maybe along the way uh, include more connections to the current storylines. So we've seen a speedster running around and they're definitely hinting the fact that it may or may not be the reverse flash with Eobarth on, but I'm not 100% convinced it is. Uh, despite the fact yeah. that Eobard is like a, a well-placed fly, he just can never fucking die. Um, ah, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like, they, they had mentioned that Barry Allen specifically had mentioned that Fawn was back, even though Barry is supposed to be on Earth Flash point one, but that's a whole yeah. other thing. Um, but yeah, he'd mentioned that Fawn was somehow back, even though I thought he was supposed to be, like, normal now after the end of Williamson's run. So who knows what's going on, but um, yeah. yeah, it does seem to kind of be wrapping up a lot of, of plot points that he had set up throughout the new 52 years. and Maybe tried to wrap up with Doomsday Clock, but didn't just because of the continuity at the time. So this is kind of his yeah. last attempt, I guess. Like Doomsday Clock was an interesting enough story that was supposed to shut the book on what the fuck happened at the end of Flashpoint with New 52, but it really didn't. No. And it built yeah. to something that left a lot more questions open. That we're we're finally well, it, hopefully getting some answers in this series. It definitely feels that yeah. way. But it it, it at least gave be... us the answer as to why Manhattan did it, but it didn't really resolve a lot of the plot points that other other books had raised. So that was yeah. You know, it, was, it was a whole other thing. And with Tim uh, Sheridan, yeah. is there going to be? some earth three shenanigans going on are we going to get maybe uh, a follow-up to just what the hell amanda waller was planning this whole friggin time because <laughs> that not. was just left open and was <coughs> Let's not now she that. just has earth three under her control with her own version of the justice league uh, and, and that was just kind of left to the wayside so maybe this book is just tying up so much and maybe that's what the beyond is it's finishing off the flashpoint storyline plus more we'll see yeah we'll definitely see <laughs> but as for as for this definitely. issue yeah um I'm, I'm digging the story so far it feels a lot of fun in a way like it's it it's it's like flashpoint batman never left but at that same point it feels like it's ignoring all the character development that other writers have put thomas wayne through between tom king yes. somewhat and, and jeremy or not joshua williamson not jeremy joshua williamson like the stuff that they put him through and the character development he was given is just kind of gone now and as much as they're referencing that it's not being shown so it's it's really awkward but i'm still digging it i i, I gave i give it an eight man. it's it's fucking awkward figure it out <laughs> it's so dumb so, no it's uh, yeah. i gave it an eight though i'm, I'm enjoying it i'm very curious to see where it ends because when new 52 showed up i i was like i think with everybody i was reserved excitedly 
or excitedly reserved or you know what i mean you know what i'm trying to say like yeah you were really curious, excited but, but yeah. you, were, you you were yeah. cautious yeah yes. and and the overall plot we got seemed really interesting to me i thought pandora was was interesting even though her plot just disappeared so i don't know yeah. if i'm right i'm i'm all in i'm excited about it if i'm not i'm very curious what the hell's gonna happen and hopefully this isn't just another three jokers yeah. or doomsday clock or the, the moment really, honestly the, the, anything johns has done in dc in quite a while yeah yeah the, the moment that pandora was atomized in dc rebirth number one you kind of knew that plot point was at an end like not not even just in continuity like symbolically that's like yeah we're literally just destroying this and sweeping it as away as dust um I'm yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm conflicted because while there is a lot that uh, that shouldn't work, like I, I agree, I, I'm not really a fan of what they're kind of doing with, with Thomas's character, given everything that had happened with, with Justice League Incarnate and admittedly the end of, of King's Batman run. And it felt like a decent bit of character progression, um, like it or not. Um but this, this did kind of feel like character regression. But I'm, I'm conflicted because while I'm not necessarily a fan of that stuff, I would be lying to myself if I said I didn't like this issue because I really did. There were a lot of scenes that I really enjoyed. That whole scene between Thomas and Gilda was just, I don't know what it was. It just worked for me. Like, it was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. The transition between, yeah, no, the transition between Gilda and Martha, just so seamless where he's, he's clearly feeling guilt about his infidelities and his, his lack of being a good father and all that stuff was just phenomenal. Like it felt like the kind of emotional stuff that when John's is in his bag, he can really pull off. Um, the story stuff, admittedly, this is kind of a slower chapter, but I, I think we're at least getting closer to some answers um, with the mystery. And it'll be interesting to see how Thomas uh, goes up against the liberated S one um, Superman in, uh, you know, in the next issue. Um, as for the Earth Prime stuff with Batman and the, the Time Master's kid, Corky Baxter, I, I kind of interested in that, but honestly, that's that's kind of the least interesting stuff to me. Like, I, I understand why it's there. It's the background story, but um, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm like, just kind of get to the point or, you know, get out of my way. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can see where that is going to get resolved soon. Um, I suspect based on all the, hints that they've been making to the snow globe and everything that maybe this yeah. new flashpoint reality is some kind of construction of Bruce Wayne who's trying to keep his father alive something like that because they seem to be hinting at the idea that Thomas is becoming aware that this reality is you know a fabrication and he needs to break out of it and he's going to realize that it was Bruce who had created this reality all along maybe I don't know I could just be talking out of my ass but they seem to be alluding to something like that I'm kind of just like, okay, let's just get to the point already. I hope not, because that is way too close to yeah. Bat God, and I feel like we've gotten away from that for the most part. I don't want to see it go there again. I think I, the I understand issue... that as in, go ahead. yeah, I understand that as an emotional story. Like, oh yeah, I want to preserve my father because I'm still feeling guilt over everything that happened in City of Bane. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would hope that that's not the twist they go for. Very. Other than that, I, I, I kind of dug this issue. Like I, I would actually say I dug it quite a lot. Um, and this one I actually gave 
and 8.25 just really worked for me. Um, and there is a panel in here that I will not spoil, but it is one of the coolest looking things I've ever seen Zermanico draw, and I've seen him draw a lot of cool shit. So. Yeah, Zermanico is the bomb. And yeah, he's pulling out all the stops for this one. So Yes, and, and the, the art is fantastic throughout this entire book. Um, issue one was a great setup. And I really feel like I should, I, I feel like I should be really into this, but I absolutely am not. I want to know how it ends, of course, because John said that it will affect the whole DC universe. But the ride getting to the end, I, I just, I don't have faith in it. Um, there used to be a time where if Jeff John's name was on a book, I'd be like, all right. But after his last few adventures in writing, I, it's just made me really apprehensive and um why well, i'm i'm all on board for whatever he's doing at image with the geiger books because that seems yeah. like where his creativity is right now exactly um so it, th- this is going to take until the very last issue because it's a jeff johnson <laughs> um there's there's just no other way to know if the series is any good until the very end of it uh, as far as this particular issue goes, though, I am pretty met about it. And I also just want to throw in there that Super Hyphen Man's symbol on his chest is just dumb. I gave it a 6.75, and largely that is because of the art. It it brought that story up. Because this, this was, it was ultimately boring for me with the exception of the, uh, um, oh, what the hell's her first name? Gilda? Gilda, yeah. Gilda. Gilda. With the exception of that particular scene, the rest of it was pretty boring for me and predictable. Understand. Yeah, fair enough. Well, speaking of books that Josh loves, let's go to another book (laughs) that I assume he will definitely love by one of his favorite writers, and that is Batman number 124. I'm going to let you read off the credits for that one. Oh crap! And I and didn't write story. it down. Give me just one second. I can't I believe I set I you up and everything. I know, and I always write the credits down. What the hell, Bobby? Give me just a moment here. All right, we've got Abyss, the finale, written by Joshua Williamson, with art from Howard Porter and Jorge Bornez, uh, Tomu Mori on colors, Clayton Cowles on letters. And a pretty badass cover from Jorge Molina. Um, also, but check out is the it the finale, covers. though? Is well, it that's what it though? says. And but issue one twenty one said it was the finale. You see, I and postulated a question on our Discord because I happened to have my copy of Batman one twenty one, and that told me that this was called the Abyss finale. But I opened my copy of Batman 124 to find that this was also called Abyss the Finale. So I ask you, dear listener, which is the finale? The one without the. They're both finales. <laughs> Just one has the. But which one Which one do I, I finish? That, it's, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... It's, it's like, like, it's like Incredible like, Hulk and The Incredible Hulk. You know, yeah. you just, you gotta roll with it. Really? <laughs> I want to. I want to say like the the abyss was that three issue story arc, uh, and then abyss is closing the book on that. Yeah, the but abyss them both is like a chasm. Is just weird. 
Yeah. Very, it's, but you're yeah, you're just in your mind you're gonna see abyss finale and abyss finale and you're gonna say wait but I thought I just read the finale though. Yeah. Are you calling well, me a liar? Well, look if you if you get into a book, <laughs> I read it. Comments, it was in the book. I can point it to you. <laughs> if, if you're expecting something Joshua Williamson wrote to make sense, especially at the end of it, you are not reading the right comic books. Yeah, but well, uh, tell me, just give me the times, answer, Williamson. Which one ends. is the ending? Which one I'll is the ending? The, Which one I'll do I stop reading? <laughs> you stop you, reading. You stop at part two. One. Stop reading at like one eleven. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Wait, hold on. Whichever was stop, the first. Stop reading right before Dark Designs. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh so this issue that was a while ago fuck tynan on this book too um so we start with babs giving batman an update on everything across the globe batman is in badnesia chasing down a recently resurfaced abyss he finds them but it's not abyss it's detective kaya dressed up as abyss trying to investigate her parents disappearance she finds the hitman who tells her that they are dead. She is going to kill him and tries to get Batman to stop her, but he doesn't, and she doesn't kill him. Surprise, surprise. They get to the grave location that they got from the guy and go find her parents', her parents bodies. And uh, then Batman gives her the Batman Inc. contact info and splits. That is the first part of this book. You know what? Before I get into my thoughts on that one, I'm going to give the synopsis of the backup, uh, which was written by G. Willow Wilson, who I love, art from Danny and Trish Mulvihill, who I both love, and lettering from Hassan Atsami Alhau. Uh, fusing Son. the two. I'm yes. Watch strip panel <laughs> naked. So good. <laughs> Fusing the two Ivies back into one made Ivy's powers mostly disappear. She's lost her green skin already. She's in the desert. Something happens, and we're told it's in a different story. And then she gets into a truck with a stranger. Um, that's it. I'm not sure what it is supposed to be. The art is okay, save for a few panels. There's not much else to say about this backup, but I guess we'll see where it goes in the next review, though. I gave the backup a six. Now let me back up to my thoughts on Batman. Completely, 100% horrible run on Batman. Everything was set up and let down. Williamson needs to go somewhere, but he can't yet because he's not done fucking up the entire DC Comics Omniverse. Why? Because they gave someone <coughs> who never finished an arc with tying up all the huge plot points in every arc ever and said, hey, you get to write the main universe and the multiverse. Shape our comics however you want, which is total bullshit. Not only was this a horrible story, it had Porter back to drawing uh, in, his, in, in his very mediocre style, which to me was very subpar art. The colors were fantastic. Maury always knocks those out of the park, no matter who's on them, pencils and inks. Um, the letters were good. The cover was good. The only, but those are the only three things that are redeemable in this particular issue at all. Um, let me exposit a little further and say that I really fear for the next seven to 12 months, seven to finish this dumbass dark crisis arc, and three to try to begin how to undo all the incredibly stupid ideas that Williamson will invoke here. 
There's going to be a very insignificant story with shit tons of unresolved issues and a catastrophe that will be left for the rest of DC's creators to fix if the company's comic sales aren't completely fucked by the end of two years from now, that is. One good 12-issue run out of a career, and I'm talking about Robin, um, does not save your face or give me any seedling of faith. He has the, the entire run on Williamson and Batman. Skip it. If, if you're even considering reading this, there's not a single redeemable thing about this story. There's nothing that carries forward. There's nothing that's important at all. Just get past it. Um, Williamson blows, end of story, letters, cover, and colors are it. This one gets a four out of ten. And uh, with the backup, I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let that score go up to a five for the whole issue. A backup can't save a book, and this backup wasn't enough to do that if it were possible. Five out of ten for Batman number 124. I'm right. mad at him. Well, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Uh, I, oh, so mad. So dumb. I, I, I... <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, well, it's do, just, do you want I, me to go first while you collect your thoughts? I No, because, okay, <laughs> you're going to be shocked, but I, I actually really liked this issue. I'm not like shocked. a surprising oh. amount. Um, I, I was not expecting to because Abyss, while I didn't think it was a terrible story, in the grand scheme of things, was kind of a dud. So I was expecting mm. the, the coda or the follow-up issue to be kind of, you know, a, a more of a dud. Um, but I actually, like, I don't know. I, I was actually kind of rocking with this issue. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I, I just think it was a, for an arc that, that fell flat, although I didn't think it was that terrible, I think this was a solid was way to wrap it up. That's all I'll say. Um, I, I just, like, it kind of it kind of put everything in a decently neat little bow, although I, I, I kind of saw the whole Detective Kaya joining Batman coming a mile away that wasn't really a surprise um yeah just figures with the whole series coming up but other than that i didn't really have a problem with it it just felt like i don't know it felt like a decently classic batman story especially the moments where he's kind of stepping back and he's like no i'm not gonna step in and i'm not gonna try and stop you from killing him that's something you have to wrestle with yourself because i know you're gonna come to the right thing because i have that trust it's like yeah okay at a very basic level that is batman at least to me, and and I, I, just, I didn't really have Batman. a huge problem with. It. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just for me, I was like, okay, I can. It was, it was. I'm not gonna say it was great, but it was the, it was the satisfactory amount of emotional stuff that you could put in an issue like this, where it's like, yeah, we want to go for the, you know, kind of empathetic or whatever you want to call it ending, where Batman is, you know, not trying to. Imposes will on anyone, but is actually showing, I don't know, humanity or something. Um, I'm scrambling for words. My point is, I, I didn't hate it. I actually thought it was a fairly decent wrap-up. Um, and the art from Howard Porter, while in some panels not great, definitely better than some of the panels in Shadow War, uh, which I appreciated. So in the end, I really couldn't give this thing other... I couldn't give this issue a score anything other than an 8 out of 10, which is also what I gave the backup. Um, so I gave the whole score an 8 out of 10, which, weirdly enough, is the score I've given every single issue of Williamson's run. So 
the very least I can say it's consistent. Yeah, it's consistently but... mediocre. Yeah, I knew you were going to make that joke. I knew you were going to make that joke. I, you know, I set I it up feel like you. it's completely unimportant Batman yeah. stories like 1984 Batman. Yeah, yeah. That, that era I can see where, where it's where... just like boring and you can skip everything. I can see where you're coming from, but at least for me, I was like, okay, that's a that is a a decent ending. It's not great, but it's it's okay enough that I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm fine. I can I can put your your run to rest without too many negative feelings about it. Uh, very different from you, I understand. You have quite a quite a few negative feelings about this run. Yes, I don't think I've happens. liked. We don't, we don't have that much time. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've liked much of it at all. <laughs> And it's 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 not. I mean, I'm trepidatious about Joshua Williamson being on any title, but I have just been so underwhelmed by this book. Nowhere near just being whelmed, way underwhelmed. And <laughs> I was hoping somebody would get that joke. Um, of course, <laughs> but uh, it's it it just it it I I see where there was the attempt for everything that you said, like the emotional draw and everything, I just thought it fell flat. What do you think about it, Rob? Yeah, no, that's fair. I really like the cover. The cover, oh, I'm God. looking at the cover. <laughs> the cover is really good. I just don't get why they, they shoved a, a Dark Knight quote on there uh, just kind of randomly. I get it's all Batman, but just having the, the night is darkest before the dawn. Like That's a dun, great dun, dun. Harvey Dent quote, but why is it here? Yeah. And I think that it's the what I, what I have to say about the cover is is very <laughs> much the same thing I could say about the issue. Looks great. What's the fucking point? <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, and I say that with a with like uh, Howard Porter. I've always enjoyed Howard Porter, but I've never liked his eyes. He draws eyes very awkward. Like everyone's just constantly tired. Um. It looks like everybody grew up with their face against the wall. It's always very flat for me. Yeah, you know, no, you know when when you're you're getting you're on the Nintendo Wii and you're making your first me and you see all the shit you do <laughs> and you're like, oh, you can like rotate yeah. the eyeballs like ninety degrees and you like you turn them to the point that they're like awkward and like in line with each other. It looks like that on every person. Yeah, yeah. I can see but definitely draws with the ruler. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond that, though, like, I I really I've always enjoyed Howard Porter's art. I'm sure everybody does. Um, book is beautiful. The story is really just a capper on Abyss, uh, but not even Abyss. It's just a capper on Detective Keha because that's all this is. Abyss is not really here. The costume's here. It's not Abyss. So it's really just the the follow up to the story Williamson wrote before shadow war to get detective keha into batman inc that's all it is that's the whole point of this friggin' story um which is dumb because they that could have been picked up from before when he told kaya hey i've got this going on anyway sorry I've... yeah oh no you're right you're, you're well I, I get what he's going for. Like Detective Chaos got this this anger built up, and Batman recognized it, and, and he said, "When you're ready, call this number." Um, but then he just basically trained her on how to not go killing people. Um, 
because if he left out the ghost maker that that wouldn't be the end result he'd be like yeah no fucking kill that guy i can't do it i told batman i shouldn't but I, he didn't say the same thing to you just go do it for me i'm, I'm just sit here and watch <laughs> so um i didn't hate it but it is by far a waste of time so the cover is nice <laughs> the cover is actually gorgeous i really like the fucking cover um, real nice yeah so I, I i give it a 6.5 and i'm bump it up to a seven with the backup only because i know where that story leads next as a matter of fact i'm gonna say the only cover that i didn't think was phenomenal this week was monkey prince i thought everything else was gorgeous monkey prince i liked simply for the the jaws reference (laughs) yeah that cover yeah (laughs) yeah well, okay. Rob, you kind of you kind of set it up, so I'm just gonna let you take it over because our our, our book is, to... yeah, our book is is literally right hot off the heels. I would say it's an excellent marketing gimmick, but maybe you wouldn't enjoy the main Batman story, so maybe it's not. But I guess that's up to you. But yes, that transitions quite nicely into our next book, which is of course Poison Ivy. I'm gonna pass it over to Rob. All right, so this is Poison Ivy number one of six. Again, following in the footsteps of the Pride Month with a Pride logo on it. Uh, so this is from writer G. Willow Wilson with art by Marcio... Oh my gosh. Marcio Takara with colors from Arif Prianto. Letters from Hassan Otsmane al I hope I got that right. I practiced. Please tell yes. me I got it right. <laughs> uh, cover from yes. Jessica Fong. A very nice cover, uh, which I want to say just brought up a detail about poison ivy i never really thought about she's gonna be a strict carnivore like not not yeah. even an omnivore like she's not gonna eat any vegetation so that makes sense yeah um so it's kind of a brief synopsis i didn't go into too much detail about the issue because it kind of just flows really beautifully so pamela isley fresh with her new like powers nature. after oh yeah shit <laughs> funny that <laughs> oh it all works out it all uh. comes together uh so it's fresh with her new powers after the backup in the recent issue of batman is touring the states planting her seed wherever she goes literally she is leaving behind spores and parasitic mushrooms that tend to take over a body and kill its host in minutes and her plan is to bring plant life back to full strength in north america giving up on any humanity left in this part of the world despite still loving harley she blames her for having ivy lose her powers to begin with and with those also her connection to the green a connection that she's hoping to get back as long as she can stay one step ahead of the bats and the green man which i would assume alludes to swamp thing and in three weeks yeah, she and let me be... throw in there i i think that poison ivy is more pissed off about losing her connection to the green than she is about losing her powers it's it's having oh yeah that much power yeah anyway, sorry i interrupted you yeah no I, I, I can definitely definitely agree yeah. um yeah so you can see that in in the backup that uh she was trying to just feel the plants again and just wasn't there um but in three weeks she plans to be on a boat that's heading for europe as long as she can get there in time because if everything goes according to plan and she is not stopped the mushrooms will grow and take over the continents while she's halfway across the ocean. And you can see that they're well on the way because through her adventures, she uh, kind of infects some people and 
kills them in a rather vicious way. So this this is much more horror than I anticipated, and I kind of like it. I thought this was mm-hmm. going to be a simple Poison Ivy story, maybe a little campy at times, um, but no, it's very horror-oriented. Um, and I am hoping to see less bats, maybe more Swamp Thing, or at the very least the Floronic Man, who I suspect is the person that gave her the powers back, because they did mention when she was talking to the gardener in the backup, now she's going back to the beginning and going back to the the roots, if you will, of how she got the powers in the first place, which I think they during that whole fear state stuff, that's what was going on. That there with the, oh, I think it was the gardener one shot in the Batman Secret Files. Yeah. That they all had that connection to the Floronic Man. And that's where yeah. essentially she got her start with vegetation and being a herbologist so that that could very well be the case um it's it's exactly what you'd expect to poison ivy with some interesting twists it's it's kind of interesting i gave it a 9 out of 10 i dig it so far the art is very nice it's very horrific um yeah it's it's poison ivy up to her old tricks of trying to like save vegetation but in a as she put it the uh sixth natural disaster of the world so yeah yeah sixth uh, sixth end of the world this like that this uh, this issue terrified me um not because it was horrific because it was just it was so much better than i was expecting that i'm terrified to read the second issue because i'm afraid it's not going to be as good as this one again i i mean i literally went into this I, I literally went into this with no expectations, and I probably shouldn't because I, I do like G. Willow Wilson. There have been books from her that I've read in the past that I enjoy, but it wasn't I wasn't going into this with like, oh man, this is a, you know all star creative t- for me at least. I know that's gonna sound weird, but this wasn't like, oh yeah, this is you know the dream team. Can't wait to see it. This was kind of like, eh, maybe it will be interesting. I don't know, but I I just I don't know what it was about this book, but I I enjoyed it so much more than I was expecting to, um, and it feels like it could be such an interesting story for ivy i mean yeah sure it's kind of a cliche plot line i'm going to try and kill all of humanity or anything but trying to examine it from where ivy's mindset is right now and just her lack of connection to the green and and her sort of i I wouldn't even call it like depression it's almost more like nihilistic like i'm just ready to die but before i go i'm just going to destroy humanity like that for me was all that was working so well um the only criticism I had about this book, really minor, was just the the scene where they're in like the bar and the the douchey guys hit on her. I don't know. It just that scene feels like such a trope. Like you've seen it so many times. And I know right. I'm, I'm going to be very careful with how I use my words here because I, I don't want to come across as being sexist. And I know my male perspective is I can never fully understand that. But I I, I understand that scenes like this are to a level meant to be empowering. It doesn't really come across that way. It's just very cruel. And it doesn't really tackle sexism, to me at least, in any discernible way. It's just like, yeah, some disgusting sleaze hit on me in a bar. And I killed him with Ophiocordyceps lamia. That's definitely equal. And I know Ivy's a villain, so it's a little bit different. But um, (laughs) yeah, I know, right? That name. Um, But I just, I feel like I've seen this... I feel like I've seen this scene a million times and it's, it's just kind of tired. Like there are other ways to show sexism towards women than douchey guys in bar hitting on women. I know it happens and I'm not trying to deny that, but that was just a minor nitpick. I was like, I just hate scenes like that. It's just become Very so tropey. contrived at this point. 
But yeah, but other than that, I had no problems with it. I just, like, G. Will Wilson captured the voice for Ivy. I mean, and I know it sounds like overblown praise, but I really think, like, in a way that I probably haven't seen before. Most times I've seen Ivy, it's she's either joined at the hip with Harley or, you know, she's the kind of generic evil queen. But this was probably, I mean, probably my Personal. second favorite representation. Yeah, but this is probably my, my second favorite representation of Ivy next to, you know, Diane Pershing and batman the animated series which is very high praise coming from me um final final note the hallucination that the douchey guys see of ivy of as like this just plant image like the first thing that popped up to my mind and should i ever get a chance to write at dc comics i'm going to lobby for this like no tomorrow was ivy as the avatar of the green or avatar of the green because that design looks so fitting as an avatar of the green it's perfect for it and i i just Agreed. in my mind i was like there is a pitch that you could write out of this where ivy for some reason or other becomes the new avatar of the green and you know you could follow her adventures there but that's just something to throw out there and i would love to explore that but other than that this was i mean just a really shockingly good issue and i'm, I'm scared that the second one won't be as good but I really hope that's not the case. I just want it to keep getting better and better. But I, I just dug the crap out of this one. So I gave this one a 9 out of 10. Too. Awesome. I am mad at this issue. Uh, oh, no. I'm, I'm mad at it for a couple of different reasons. Um, first, let me say that the art is gorgeous. And I honestly... I, while I love Bitas and I love the Poison Ivy that we got in Bitas, um, I don't think I've ever seen Poison Ivy written as a person before rather than a persona. And that, the voice that G. Willow Wilson gave her in this book was fucking phenomenal. Um, yes, I'm all about making sure yeah. that the, the voice of a character is right. And Poison Ivy's has only kind of... When we have her with Harley and they're doing their back and forth thing, that feels like legitimate Harley, but that's Harley, or excuse me, legitimate Ivy, but that's Harley and Ivy together. This is Poison Ivy alone, and I, 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 can't, I can't recall a single time where I've seen her represented as an individual character, as a person, so well. Only in very brief other appearances. And very, again, I'm, very I'm scrambling too. Um, yeah. Again, the art, I'm not I'm not knocking Danny at all in the backup, but this was amazing art. I, I loved it. Um, the, the problem that I have is, uh, and this sucks, but this is the end of Poison Ivy. Um, at the, at, in issue six, she's going to die. There will be no more Poison Ivy. And G. Willow Wilson is the one that's writing her out. Um, that was I just what a way to I go, just, right? Yeah. I mean, the hell of a thing. I am. I'm disappointed in it. Um, I feel as though if just disregarding everything below a B list, if you want to kill a big name, kill Scarecrow, kill kill Penguin. He's completely fucking useless anyway. <laughs> um, but. Don't kill, don't kill Ivy, and that's that's what we're having ha- having happen. Uh, maybe it is because of just 
I don't know why, but out of all the Batman villains, I have a more personal attachment to Poison Ivy. Like, I, I give a shit about her as a character more than I do just about anybody else. I love I love the Riddler, I love Poison Ivy, and I love Joker. Everybody else could fall off, and I, I would be totally okay with that. No um, Two-Face, no Clayface, two, two, no class. Two-Face and Clayface are so one-dimensional, no and that feels weird to say. But no <laughs> class is one dimensional. <laughs> um, they're they're boring characters. There's only so far. How many more cults is Two Face going to start up? <laughs> ah, um, that was one story. Nah, <laughs> it was more than one. But um, I just I it, it bums me out, and that's what's got me scared. Is that we're not I that that the article that I read quoting her. Um, wasn't wrong <laughs> that's that's why i'm gonna be scared about that she's not just uh she's not just like um using clever misdirection to tell us how this is gonna end i'm, I'm worried she's flat out saying yeah poison ivy's gonna die and there's so many great stories that she could have um reconnecting with the avatar of the green being coming the an avatar of the green we have so many unresolved uh issues between her and harley uh i feel like the gardener was introduced and she serves absolutely zero purpose um and i'm it it just i'm not scared yeah (laughs) but i i um i'm really i'm more sad i guess and scared about this book and it's such a good book it just has me so bummed out because i reading through this book the second time after I read that article, I fully believe that that poison ivy is is done. Um, yeah, although, and and again, we we have to kind of operate by comic logic here. If she does yeah. die, and let's put about thirty quotation marks around the word "die," <laughs> odds are, odds are, just considering all that we know side? with comics. Yeah, just odds are... No, I was thinking 30 on either side. Um, mm. Odds are <laughs> there's probably a way that she can come back. That's that's what I'll I say. Mean, it may not be immediately. Yeah. It may take a while, right? Or it, it will probably be... Who knows? It could be two months from now when some writer decides, hey, I want Poison Ivy back, so I'm just going to have her back because um, death means nothing. But, yes, I, 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 wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't labor over it too much uh, because, as we know, death, is is relative is not exactly yeah. forever yeah <laughs> well yeah. Like this, i mean she's, as she's died tells twice John, before yeah yeah but not like died died yeah so she's before, kind before of we start you know yeah before we start buying the tissues i would just keep that in mind i fucking yeah. already ordered them from amazon what are you talking about uh, <laughs> oh, <it's because laughs> i hope you can refund that what she'd want yeah i hope you can refund that <laughs> oh no nah, man um i have a feeling i'm gonna need him for the kevin uh the the um oh kevin uh, conroy Kev- kevin conroy's story as well yeah. especially if you guys are telling me that it's in the same vein the same vein as tap 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 and um losing losing my favorite batman villain i'm gonna be so fucking bummed out man um but uh I, get, I, I, I do as, oh yeah, sorry, go on. as scared and sad as reading this issue made me, especially even more so the second time. It was done really, really fucking well, and it gets an eight out of ten. 
Sorry, what was the interview you said you read? Was it with G. It was on. It was on. I want to say it was on CBR. And what what was it? Excuse they, me. They said I, that made it seem like the Ivy's really gonna die. Uh, I, was curious, I, I have a theory. Give me just one second, and I will tell you. So I'm thinking, yeah, they they did say uh, that Ivy had written down. By the time you read this, I'll be dead, which is a, a common phrase with a lot of stories like this. Um, uh, do do do. Mm-hmm. Yep, they it, it mentions the by the time you read this, it'll already be over. Um. Where is it at exactly? Wilson says that it will be a love story from the perspective of a villain. He's going to curl up in an empty container and let nature nature take its course. And um, in Poison Ivy Number One by writer G. Willow Wilson and artist Marcio Tarkara, it, uh, Ivy reveals that she will die by the time her solo title will come to an end. Read but no again, further. Uh, the following we're spelling die spoilers. with thirty quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that is okay. that a, a quote from G. Willow Wilson though, or is that just the reporter saying that? Looks as though it's a quote, or a quote. Um, okay. And then, of course, she does say that um, she she's gonna curl up in an in in, in an empty container and let na- nature take its course. Right. So that that does that does not bode well. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a no. good time in any case. You do have a point there. So so my theory is that it's all misdirection. It's all word play. That I hope. <laughs> I hope so much. <laughs> so there, there's a couple ways I can see this happen. There's three different ways I can see this happening. Poison Ivy, Strickhamel Isley, did, did by the end, uh, just completely gone. Sure, um, and as Brandon said, thirty quotation marks on either side. In a couple of months, I'll go bring her back. That's fine. Like we saw Two Face shoot himself in the head, or at least allude to shooting himself in the head, potentially dying in, a, in, in an issue of Detective Comics, and then a year later, here he was, perfectly fucking and fine. Oh, we got some brain and damage. Precisely here. how long did it take to resurrect uh, Mr. Roy Harper? A year? A little more than that, that? Barely. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's all sorts of, of answers there. Uh, so yeah, she could potentially just straight up be dead. Uh, alternatively, it's a misdirection. She's not actually going to die, uh, and or a part or, of or her she will die, die like you and, said but but she she will get her her planned powers back at the right time the connection to the green will be reborn and as i mentioned when she died before there was uh a time where she literally was regrown into a new poison ivy so, so she po- she poisoned herself in order to be able to infect all these other people though so who knows where that's going? Well, this is issue one. There's still five more to go. At some point down the road, yes. maybe 
she gets her powers back. We'll find Dude, it. I need this in a 140-page book. I can't handle this coming out once a month. I know. <laughs> well, you're just going to have to. I just can't. And, and speaking of... Yeah, speaking of books that we're going to have to wait a month for... Uh, or wait, did you guys all yeah. give your scores? Okay. Yeah, speaking uh, of I, books I, that we're all going to have to wait months hold for... Hold on, oh, no, sorry, something ahead. else you wanted to say, I think. Yeah, so it's just one, one more thing I'm thinking about that that you guys might find interesting. One more theory I have is that she does die, but is reborn as the person we saw in that fever dream. As the Possibly. avatar. As the avatar. Yeah, there, there's, or, there's or, a lot of bad shit happening with Levi. Just, yeah, or she just grows from a leaf again, like in Heroes in Crisis. That's also a possibility. And, uh, I Again, I just she, think the idea what? of her dying is... She grows from a leaf again, like in Heroes in Crisis. You not remember yeah, that, that? that? That was a thing that happened. In Heroes in Crisis? Little, what yes, the hell was there, Heroes in Crisis? There was, there was... Oh, I see. <laughs> I, don't remember, yeah, I don't remember that at all. Well, no. unfortunately for you, I do. <laughs> it, cannot be, it cannot be purged from my memory so easily. Oh, God, I wish it could be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. All right, well... Thanks for that setup, well, it's yeah okay well <laughs> Christ yeah what from one crisis to another perfect segue uh, and let's see if this one is maybe a little bit better or maybe a little bit worse uh, but I'll leave that for you to decide as we transition to our final book for the week the moment I assume you have all been waiting for or maybe you haven't who even knows uh, yes it is the time it is it is here it is now it is dark crisis number one the big summer events that isn't like any of the other summer events that we've had for the past three years uh, because this one to quote the fast and furious movies it's all about family uh, and that's exactly how we start maybe legacy might be appropriate yeah maybe maybe, maybe legacy might be the more appropriate one uh, because as we start, Vin Diesel's voicing Frankenstein. And Vin it's Diesel legacy. is voicing Frankenstein. It's about <laughs> legacy. And then Frank Frank drives a fucking muscle car. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Do your Vin I won't Diesel spoil impression that yet. again, because I think it might be better than mine. Do it again. What? Oh, it's, well, it's just about family. Like something like <laughs> that. <laughs> Way <Yeah>. better. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yes, this is Dark Crisis number one. It's here. It's finally here. Does it hold a candle to anything? I don't know. But I think that's a great way to start because our first scene is with a candle. But I'm going to stop talking about this book and start talking about this book. This is written by Joshua Williamson, who we just love on this show, with art by Daniel Samhier, colors from Alejandro Sanchez, and letters from Tom Napolitano, the first chapter in this seven-part saga, entitled, The Justice League is Dead. Because, you know, they're dead. So, where to begin? Well, as I mentioned earlier, let's start with a candle in the dark. Or at least that's where Dick Grayson is going to start, as he gives a eulogy about the Justice League being oh so, so dead, and how they fought for hope and all that nonsense that we know the Justice League has done, and so on and so forth. But he gives a very important rousing speech to all the heroes who are certainly feeling the aster and feeling the mode about how all the heroes are dead, and, or not all the heroes, but how all the Justice League is dead and how they need to hold that torch up and keep the flame alight and in the most non-subtle way, Deathstroke and the rest of the villains blow out a candle. I wonder what it could mean. 
What, what, what could that possibly symbolize? I wonder. Anyway, we cut to present day Washington, D.C. a couple weeks later after the ceremony where John Kent and Wally West Flash are fighting off the Cobra Cult. Uh, and as we had seen in the Free Colloquy Day preview, Cobra Cult, as well as some of the other Doomsday Cults, are freaking out because they know that the end is coming and they think it's their time to shoot their shot, to try and at least get, I don't know, some kind of world dominance before the Great Darkness shows up. Um... Thankfully, before shit gets too out of hand, they get a very helping hand, or a helping boot, I should say, uh, from Green Lantern, who shows up and demands to know what the hell is going on. Um, there's a note about this scene that I'm going to mention later, but I'm not going to get into that for now. We flash to the... <coughs> Excuse me. We flash to the Hall of Justice, where Black Adam gives us the recap on how the Justice League disappeared. Hal is calling bullshit because he's smart. He knows that the Justice League is not dead because he has a brain, while the rest of them, brain dead as they are, are pretending like the Justice League really are gone and they're never coming back. <clears throat> Hal is told that Wally had asked around to see if other people had confirmed whether or not the Justice League was missing, and they got some confirmation from some other members of the DCU who I guess seem to have knowledge on where the Justice League are going to be, like Dr. Fate, the two Adams, uh, Director Chase, and Captain Cold of all people. I guess he would probably know because he has contact with the villains, but that seems like a low term. Uh, but Hal is going on a mission and decides that if the Justice League really are gone, and that's spelling gone with 30 quotation marks around it, <clears throat> he is going off to find just where the hell they are, because again, Hal Jordan is smart and the rest are not. Well, Wally and John need to figure out just what the hell they're going to do to try and calm the heroes down from panicking that the Justice League is gone. John has his little inspirational moment where he, he, he flies up to the, the busts, the statues of the Justice League, the dead members of the Justice League, and he looks right into the face of Superman, and you're like, oh shit, this is it, this is the moment, because he looks at Batman and Wonder Woman too, and you already know where this is going, don't you? Because John has the... the brilliant idea again subtlety is not a thing in this book but john has the brilliant idea of well i'm not going to spoil it but he decides that maybe he could take some notes from the deceased members of the justice league and try something new he heads off to brazil to meet with the still mysterious to the rest of the dcu yara floor and teams up with her fighting a demon who apparently uh, alongside the rest of the demons have been getting more and more riled up as the great darkness has been coming close and John yes. Kent informs her that this has been pretty good. Like, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. We should do this some more. We should we should team up more often, but not in like a date sense because I already have a boyfriend. No, I'm thinking maybe we should do this like full time, like as a job, because I'm putting together a team. I'm Nick Fury, and this is the Avengers. Uh, right. And Yara has the appropriate reaction and and laughs him off and says, this is ridiculous. Yeah, no, I'm not going to help you. I have other things to do, far more important things to do, and I'm not going to serve on your kitty Justice League. We cut to New York where John basically does the same thing and intervenes with a mission that Chase Fox has been on and says, hey, you, you know, look at us. We're like the, you know, world's finest too. You know, we should really think about doing this again. And Chase basically tells him, in no uncertain terms that you need to fuck off because I'm not working with a Superman. I have my yard, you have yours. Go fly and, I don't know, stop Lex Luthor or get a cat out of a tree or something. Get off my John lawn. goes, yes, John goes through various other members of the DCU and I assume is begging them to join the league, but we don't 
get his exact words um, and asks them to be a part of this new team that he's putting together. Some give very appropriate reactions, uh, some give rather hilarious actions, uh, or some give rather hilarious reactions, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. But in the end, uh, John, I guess, is able to put together some kind of ragtag team that we reveal shortly after uh, as Black Adam has awakened from the infirmary to see this new team in action, which he very proudly and very happily declares a new Justice League. Starring Supergirl, Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, Dr. Light, Caitlin Frost, Caitlin Frost, Killer Frost, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Booster Gold, Harley Quinn, Aquaman, Jackson Hyde, and because you gotta bring in your bros, Damian Wayne. Oh, and Harley Quinn, but I, I don't, yeah, that, that, that should have been obvious. <clears throat> Black Adam gives the most appropriate one panel reaction that anyone ever could a slightly cocked eyebrow and a look of such exasperation as to not even be registered on any scale and tells him that he's not also going to team up with his kitty Justice League because this is pathetic. And in his own words, you need to learn how to be Superman first before you start putting together a team. Besides, as Black Adam and the rest of the DCU knows, there's only one person that you could possibly ask to lead a new Justice League, and I'm right there with him, honestly. And they cut, again, no subtlety in this book, to Titan's Tower to reveal just who that person should be. Yes, it's Dick Grayson Nightwing, who is training the Titans. Yeah. Who is training the, the young Titans Academy lads in the very refined art of acrobatics. The rest of the older Titans are giving him shit for it because obviously Dick is, is very favored in this field. But after everything they've been through in that less than stellar run of Teen Titans Academy... Uh, they deserve a little bit of a break. Uh, John decides that maybe I should check in with Dick Grayson, get his approval first. After all, he is my mentor. Uh, but before he can arrive, who should show up late to the lesson? What a terrible student. But Chupacabra bleeding profusely with a bomb strapped to his chest, a bomb that sadly goes off. And again, I'm going to wait until I make my, my comments later. But yeah, I, I expected something like this was going to happen. That bomb, we later find out, was placed by the Secret Society, led by Deathstroke, who, as we found out in Shadow War, has a new contract to kill everyone in the DC Universe, very much like Deadpool, and decides to start first with the Titans brats, because you gotta start with the guys who killed your son, especially after you just lost another son. Uh, he is able to get the Titans all in tow, in particular, one Garfield Logan, telling them that the Titans days are over. It's a new era of the DCU now, one led by the villains. We get our final epilogue on Multiverse 2, where Pariah is trying to put everything together in this new, weird, strange multiverse, one that is so totally different from everyone we've ever seen, because this time everyone will be happy and everything will be put right. Except not really, because as we find out, he is going to use the power generated by the deaths of the Justice League to end the multiverse entirely and create his new one. So maybe not as peaceful as we thought. Hmm. So that was Dark Crisis number one. Um, okay, so my immediate notes that I wrote down after reading this issue on Tuesday feels like an issue of Justice League. Um, Uncle Hal, question mark, and Teen Titans Academy cannon fodder. Those are my immediate reactions to this issue, which I feel were appropriate because 
I, you know, this, this, for an event, for a big summer event, this felt very much not like an event to me. It felt like an arc mm. or the beginning of an arc in Justice League, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but I don't know. I mean, for, for, you know, your big summer event, something about it just felt kind of contained, which is weird to say when it has all these characters that Daniel Sempere is beautifully illustrating, but I don't know. Something about it just felt like an arc you would read in Justice League. Again, not in a bad way, but it just felt kind of smaller in scale. Um, Uncle Hal, because I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know why Wally is suddenly referring to him as Uncle Hal, but maybe I missed something from his Kid Flash days. Um, But I thought it was kind of funny. Barry and Hal are such good friends. Yes. Well, I I guess that makes sense. They they would have been while I was Kid Flash, so that's that's fair. my, my final point, Teen Titans Academy Cannon Fodder, if you go back to whatever episode we recorded when we were reviewing Teen Titans Academy number 14 or 13, my exact words were, and, and I mean, I don't remember them exactly, exactly, but my, my words were something to the effect of, these Teen Titans Academy kids are going to be swiftly forgotten, or they're going to be used in the next big event as cannon fodder, as Forgotten Titans so often are. And that literally fucking happened right here as Chupacabra stumbles in and explodes like so much dynamite as if as if these characters are just entirely expendable, which they were to me because they left no impact and they were kind of unremarkable. But I, I, I mean, I know it's arms. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just I know I know I shouldn't laugh at the death of a child and I don't I, in no way do I do that. But there was just something so comical about the idea of titans cannon fodder especially these characters and then it happens like immediately in the next big event like i I was not even surprised i I think the joke i made was like that you would see fucking matt price or gorilla greg or whatever the hell these these kids names were just get the tar beat out of them and based on the based on the previews we see in the next issue that is literally going to happen so when we say we're psychic we're not messing around. We really are. Or maybe I just know DC well enough to know that they repeat these trends. In any case, as an issue, I did not hate it. I don't think it was, I don't know. I don't think it was a great first event issue. It, it Again, it felt to me like the beginning of just an arc of Justice League, which I guess, I mean, maybe that's a good thing and a bad thing. I'm not really sure, but... If you're talking about like the big grand epic event, this just didn't feel like it was quite there. So in that sense, I don't know. Maybe maybe it didn't quite work. But in everything else, like yeah, it was kind of fun. It was nice seeing John try to put together his new league and all this stuff. I still roll my eyes at the fact that these people really think that the Justice League are permanently dead. But I don't know. Maybe they all have amnesia or they're just so dumb. Um, so in dumb. any case, so I need yeah. that. In, in any case. You really do, or a T-shirt. Um, but yeah, in any case, you know, it, it, it was it was a decent first issue. It did some things that I really enjoyed, but as a first issue of an event, or as the first issue of an event, I don't think it was like the big spectacular that I think maybe it had been hyping itself up to be. So I gave this one an 8.25 out of 10. I was tempted to give it an 8, but I think I'll round it up just because going through this issue again and looking at the beautiful panels by Sempere, it feels wrong not to give this an 8.25. It is just so gorgeous. Um, every panel that he does is just so lovingly crafted. And mm-hmm. it just, I just love it. 
I've never seen so. Sam Pierre do anything that sucked. <coughs> yeah. Indeed. Agreed. So I, I've got a couple of questions. Okay, first off, that, that costume, that, uh, that that outfit that Pariah's got at the end, it looks an awful lot like uh, Anti-Monitor style in a way uh-huh. I, was, yes. I was comparing yeah. images of anti-monitor yeah. outfits and the, it's very very much in that style so that's interesting um uh two questions about the secret society Who, who's got the bat wing and why the fuck is crazy quilt there hey they're bringing in everyone villains dude. like seriously <laughs> and and yeah. is it just me or is it anytime i see dr phosphorus i'm thinking is that blight and then i think no it's not <laughs> dr phosphorus yes <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, you're you're saying who invited Crazy Quilt? I'm saying who invited Gentleman Ghost? What the fuck crazy. is he gonna do? He's a ghost, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what could he possibly do? I feel like a ghost could do Hawk more man. than a guy oh, wait, that's Hawk comfortable. Not there. <laughs> I mean, at least like Crazy Quilt can shoot like his rays and blind someone. Uh, what is Ghost gonna do? Quote Shakespeare and have a terrible British <laughs> accent? Like, what could you possibly do to, to fight these guys? Yeah. He could possess Nightwing if there was a Nightwing left. That's it. If, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Just so he's not dead, we know that. <laughs> why, why is Ollie <laughs> yeah. still alive? He, was, he wasn't vaporized by Pariah. He was beaten the shit out of by Doomsday. Like, yeah. squished. Yeah, like, he... he like, the only human I say, on the I team. I say pulp. He was literally like being squished like an orange. Yes. Yeah. The only human yeah. on the team, and he's the one that survived. Yeah. Good writing. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe for some reason Pariah decided to bring him back because he was like, "Well, I didn't really need to kill him. You know, I just wanted him to be on his own Earth." <laughs> Give me the I didn't logic. Really there. want to kill him, but I'm going to use like oops. Yeah, it's like, oops, uh, I'm sorry. Like, I was, I was trying to destroy the multiverse. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't mean to do it like that. Sorry, I kill you. You're too yeah. precious for this death. I, w- I was gonna kill you, but I didn't want to be mean about it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! So yeah, yeah, even, even bloody, violent, vicious deaths are not permanent. It's like, where, where do you draw the line, <laughs> Williamson? Where do you draw the uh, fucking line? <laughs> So yeah, this, this new Justice League is not going to last very long. That much is, is even beyond Black Adam just tearing the, the team down in five seconds. Why it's, would you need two blue beetles? <laughs> Actually, though, that is kind of this weird. one will betray you. This one will also betray you. But with a fish. <laughs> yes. But with a fish. Um, Jesus yeah. Christ. So it, it's a it's the difference between this team and other Justice Leagues is it's other Justice Leagues were born from two reasons either they were very carefully handpicked or they were brought together by circumstance and this was john just the first two choices he had said no so he literally went to anybody he came across me you want to join the justice league yeah okay let's go this it's gonna fall apart so fucking fast i'd be surprised if they make it's it like past a, issue three it's like it's a, a new Facebook avengers game. bit <laughs> hey hey you want to join so, my club <laughs> yeah, where it's like uh, we're just gonna ask everyone we possibly can. Yeah, because no one wants to join. Yeah, I just 
know. It's it's gonna be yeah. something. I think they this this new team is going to come out and it'll be on the news and they're gonna fail spectacularly. And then Jace and Yara are going to see them like, eh, maybe they need my help. And they're going to go to Don and be like, okay, maybe you're on to something. Yeah. But... And then they're going to be a league for a little while, and they're going to do yeah. okay, but then they're going to fail. And then the other Justice League, the one on the separate Earths, are going to show up and save the day. And be like, we're here! And be, that'll be the end. Surprise, surprise. Total total yeah. Avengers Endgame moments. And Wally's yep. going to walk through the portal on your left. Look who I found. Yep. yep. It's the real Look who lead. it is. And then it's going to be Superman in the lead and Batman yeah. and Wonder Woman following him. And then yeah. you're showing yet again that the sidekicks are completely useless, even though most of them are better than the originals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they fought their hardest. They just didn't fight hard enough. They it did their best. They get an A for participation. Ones. In like yeah, they get an A for effort. Yeah. <laughs> I I would be very uh, cool though if they they show off um, maybe there's other characters that are just forgotten to time uh, that Pariah may have just collected over the the, the years mm-hmm. and they are like, also on these mysterious nice. solo Earths and then when the Justice League comes back they bring back all these fucking characters yeah did you know it would be a, like a crazy twist out of nowhere. What if it's just like the most unimportant, like forgotten character that they just pull out of nowhere and they're like, but he's going to save the day, like Wave Rider or something. If Wave Rider showed up and saved the day, I don't I don't know if I would laugh because it's ridiculous or because it's so dumb, it's almost genius. It would get the last it would get the treatment from me that the same the, the same treatment from me that three joke that the last issue of three jokers got. Which is where I. But I almost want to see something like that. Threw it across the room. Yeah. I mean, it would be terrible, but I almost want to see something like that. Where just, like, this completely superfluous character just comes out of nowhere and is like, ah, I'll save the day now. Yeah. You mean, like, the same kind of bullshit we just had with Geoforce? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. Recycled plot (laughs) points. I I would always. Even more ridiculous. Yeah. I, I would only accept oh that God. Wave Rider ending if it was written by Dan Jurgens. Oh my God! So I think he's the only right. one if that I, could if, potentially do it justice. If I if I if I ever write a DC event, I'm gonna do that. Like just just completely out of left field in like the sixth issue. It's just gonna be a character that had nothing to do with it just shows up and saves the yeah. day. Oh, just oh, because oh, I can. Even better, it's gonna be Wave Rider as Monarch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say it. Yes. I have this big oh my big, God. big surprise, and then last second. Switch it to Captain Adam. Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so, okay, so did you give a score, Rob? <laughs> um <sighs> not yet. Because I have one one more nitpick. Uh, Go ahead. I Take honestly there's 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 one thing I'm kind of in favor of with this book. Is that uh they're they're just foregoing any continuity going on with Green Lanterns right now. And honestly, mm-hmm. fucking okay with that. Just erase that entire thirteen issue. <laughs> oh my and god! Just let, let's just all the lanterns oh are back. God. Okay, like Joe's just there, yeah. and that's fine. Everyone's okay. John got the power. That's fine. He's dead. Okay, fine. Fuck it. He's Dude, come back where did Kyle come from? You he's know? like he's like in the group <laughs> shot. Where where was he? Did he just? He's like, oh no, I'm I'm better now, and I have my ring back, and him. everything that yeah. happened. Everybody yeah. has. Everybody was brought back to life. 
John that John is that is like everybody back to life. Yeah, that that is that is something that you again. could only do in comics, and I, I almost kind of love that. Yeah, that's something you can only yeah. do in like, Green Lantern comics. <laughs> they 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 just they just show up unexplained. Like Jess just has a Green Lantern ring. Guy yeah. has a ring again. Yeah, and and Joe is just fighting Manhunters for some fucking reason. Yeah, it's, it's like literally just. Picked the most iconic Green Lantern villain that there's. Lots they they of. just show, they're just like oh yeah we just got our rings back don't don't yeah. don't don't question it yeah yeah it's just just a bunch of Manhunters that's all yeah, yeah they're, don't worry they're, about they're, it they're, they're like your we're here now that's all die. that matters yeah exactly I'm okay with this just let it go <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that whole year it didn't really happen it no, was like it was, a yeah it, it was all in Kelly's subconscious. <laughs> yeah. A character that will never return, which I'm kind of bummed about because I didn't I didn't hate Kelly Cantella, but <laughs> let's face it, she's never coming back. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's okay. That's Green Lantern, whatever. So Dark Crisis, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. See, I didn't I didn't hate it. I say this a lot. I didn't hate it, so I can give yeah. it that. But I didn't <laughs> like it either. So. As far as event books go, events of this caliber, you always get the big lead up, you get the big build, and you get events popping up in various books and things happening. So, like, you, okay, you get an idea of where this book is going, and then it comes to a head in this event title. And the first issue is usually um, characters coming together, and you see the story start to grow, and all the things are coming together. And then by the end of the issue, there's a big event <laughs> happening that sets up the remainder of the crisis that did not fucking happen it was literally the heroes the big event already happened and it's all the heroes of the world just reeling from that and then you have deathstroke attacking titan's tower but that's not the be-all end-all of the story you can get you get the vibe on that the be-all end-all of the story is whatever the fuck's happening in the multiverse with pariah so deathstroke attacking titan's tower that's just a stepping stone and for that to be the big shock moment at the end of this, like, it's a big shock moment. He may have shot Gar in the face, and uh. half, if not all of the Teen Titans Academy are just dead, which is fucking sad. But that's not it. So there's no big oomph in this issue, especially since they teased three months ago that Titan's Tower is going to burn, and it's going to be because of Deathstroke. He's attacking. We already knew that was going to happen, so... There's there's no big shock value in this issue, so it was kind of dull. It was just coasting. Yeah, and uh, like the the reveal. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, I, no I was I was thinking about that too. Um, like the reveal, the the big you know pariah reveal. Like oh, the Justice League, they're still alive on multiple Earths. None of that was really shocking because DC already yeah. revealed all that stuff. Like they they didn't they didn't set themselves up. Like I, I was thinking of like the first issue of Infinite Crisis, right? Where you're like, who is this person narrating? Like what? Who the hell is talking about all this darkness? And then you, you flip the page, you're like, oh shit, it's it's you know Superboy Prime and Alexander Luther from the original multiverse. And like, wow, yeah. no, no, you know, no shock, or sorry, not not shock, but no like I don't know. They didn't spoil that or anything, unless you, you know, skip to yeah. the end of it. But um Well no, you're yeah, like, it was that, like that, that was like big that, moment. That's a big reveal. Like, oh shit, yeah. like I, I couldn't I couldn't have possibly imagined it. But literally we just had a, a big oversized issue of justice league where pariah declares his plans followed by a press release stating multiple of the you know justice league are getting one shots where they're in their own earths 
So none of this is shocking at all. You're just like, oh yeah, I kind of already knew that. Thanks. Yeah, like you're you're trying to tell us that this story mattered, but in, in the same breath, you're telling us that the story doesn't matter. <laughs> like, so <laughs> what the good. fuck is this about? This is the, the same. That's thing why I'm like, like, what the it fuck doesn't is this feel about? like. I know it's just like it doesn't feel like like the big event. You know what I mean? Like that's what I say. It's, yeah. It feels like an issue of Justice League. Like everything has already been explained to you. Now this is the final act of you know, part five of your big Justice League run. It doesn't feel like yeah. the big standalone event where, you know, all the reveals have been kept hush-hush. And you just, you know, you don't know what's going on until you get to that last page. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe it's the marketing. Maybe it's the, I don't know. It, maybe it's just who's final... fucking writing it. <laughs> it's, it's very much that. Maybe. I enjoyed yes. the art. Um, if this is the yes. final chapter in the whole Infinite Frontier saga, it's it's very disappointing so far. And I really hope they stick the landing, but we've said many times, Williamson's not going to stick the landings. The entire Infinite Frontier yeah. saga has sucked. It had some moments, Justice League but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it had, it had yeah. some moments. Like, I think Infinite Black Crisis Hunter, was a, was a good... Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And like, Roy Harper I don't know, coming like back the... and Captain Carrot making an appearance. Everything else was. Yeah, it was it was fun, like seeing like the, the heroes it. come together and the some of the JSA stuff. Like Infinite Frontier works in some ways, but the whole saga, I, I see what you mean. Like if we're looking at it from a you know a whole uh, point of view, then well, I guess we'll have to see how it ends. But like right now, I'm, I'm a little nervous about how it's all. Yeah, what, what breaks fix. my heart the most is that my best friend I've known for 20 years or so, and I've tried for years to get him, because he's always shown interesting comics, I've tried for years to get him to read comics, but he always ends up just watching YouTube videos about the stories and never actually reading the stories. Well, he's finally hmm. fucking picked up this issue. Oh, no. As, like, his intro to event comics. And, and I'm reading oh, it, I'm like... I'm so fuck. sorry. <laughs> yeah. This is never going to oh, happen no. again. Yeah. Game over. Dude, uh... <laughs> A million so, different yeah. fucking books that he could have got. Dude, I will it. give you like literally any any other event book. Well, maybe not any yeah. other event book, but I can think of many others that you could start with. Yeah. Oh man! Well, yeah, you show me the I'd give him Identity Crisis before I gave him this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, identity Crisis might be might be a heavy intro for modern comics. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't know if like, I'd want to read it's... superheroes after that. <laughs> I'd be yeah. yeah, especially not as my like, first year. It's well, like saying, here's Final Crisis. This is how was. event books are. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I I oh fuck I I really hope yeah. they stick the landing just for this. If this is his <laughs> first. Like, we might criticize this so much because we've been following the stories, but for somebody that hasn't been following the stories, it might read better. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I've complained to him about Williamson before, though. So. <laughs> I mean, we'll honestly, I don't, um, I don't think so because there's so many characters in here that somebody who has not read comics won't know. Mm-hmm. I gave him the rundown the other day of, of just the backstory they need to know but going into this. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully it's enough. Um, hopefully, and how the Justice League is not really dead, because that's something you really should know. Um, as for a score, though, I really don't know how to score it. I, I want to call it kind of even, and just like I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. A, a seven. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt right now. For now. 
a lot of the character moments were 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 good um but the story is kind of dull i really like the character work so far like everybody john interacted with was kind of yeah that stuff was that, that was like, fun was, yeah that was fun yeah. all right great i feel exactly the opposite of you <laughs> exactly the opposite what i saw was not a bunch of interactions between jonathan kent and yara floor jonathan kent and jace fox it was superboy running around saying hey you want to be my friend no hey you want to be my friend no <laughs> that's all i got there was nothing was in comical here. about that it was <laughs> so flat it was so flat and before i go any further daniel sampier just Fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. Every panel, every page, gorgeous. Everything else, though, I literally hate everything else about this book. Deathstroke's Mohawk? What the fuck? The voice <laughs> The voice for Jonathan Kent? Wrong. Yara Floor's voice? Wrong. Black Adam's voice? Wrong. The rest of them were cut so short they had maybe one line of dialogue there there was no character booster gold had the same one exactly there there just was nothing that pulls you into this book whatsoever it's flip the page flip the page throughout the entire thing the next issue is called assault and titan's tower See, uh, like they mentioned before, like Brandon mentioned before, they attacked Chupacabra and then sent him into Titan's Tower. He goes into Titan's Tower with a bomb strapped on him. Um, explain why anybody would do that. Hey, yeah, I'm going to die. I'm going to die anyway. You could shoot me now or I could go in there and kill everybody else. Which one should I do? Chupacabra, you're a pretty selfish prick. Um so they let him go into Titan's Tower, which has been completely rebuilt, like brand new, even better after starting construction on it two weeks ago. Okay, so the explosion goes off. Dick sees the bomb timer on Chupacabra with one second left. Chupacabra is in Dick's arms. Maybe Raven could have put up a shield. But without any kind of warning whatsoever, how do they contain that explosion to where... Because you know they can't kill Nightwing. They can't. So... You know they can't because they see we see the preview images for the next issue where he's fighting Deathstroke. So exactly. He's and he's got his own which, ongoing which, oh, oh, and they keep saying that, he that should was be the a, leader. That was another... Yeah, that was another thing too. Like that that explosion is supposed to be like an oh shit, did they just kill Nightwing moment? And you're supposed to, you know, wait a month to find out. But you can go on Adventures in Board Taste right now, see preview <laughs> images from the next issue, and you're like, oh wait, he's not dead. Okay. Yep, never mind. Exactly. <laughs> he's on like, the where's cover. Where's the suspense? <laughs> so he's literally only, on the, the cover. The only There's thing no that, suspense. Nope. And the only thing that makes any sense is that Raven contains the, the, the bomb within a shield until it explodes and then she lets it go. Nothing else makes any sense. That said, I would totally believe that Williamson would do fucking anything other than that. Um, this big, huge I moment. I saw so many articles that said Deathstroke kills one of the teen titan one of the Titans. 
did he? He shoots Gar right in the face. But they're holograms. Yep. Oh, is that still a thing? I thought they were. Well, just of course it is. It, we just oh, they, they, they got are the actual body though. Cygar. Oh, I'm going to assume so that in this particular case, it's going to be Cyborg, not the one that just got shit, shot in the fucking head by. I'd hope so. Deathstroke, who decided, you know what? It's fucking army time. Man, I know I've been on a warpath, but now I'm going to take it to the Titans. But before I do, I need to make a quick trip to the Barbers. Excuse me. Um, This whole plot is horrifyingly empty and generic. There's literally nothing here for content. This is the beginning to a massive waste of time and money that is going to last over half a year. (laughs) Seven months to 12 months. Me, personally, I implore each and every one of you, every person out there, to boycott any book related to this so that it never fucking happens again. The idea is complete shit. Infinite Frontier as a whole has been complete shit. The next seven months is going to be complete shit. And it will continue to be complete shit. I've said that since it was announced, and it looks as though I am far from done. If it wasn't for Daniel Sampier being on this book, the only thing that would have saved it was the, even though his voice was wrong, was the ripping that Black Adam did on on the team. Other than that... I thought that was pretty in character for Black Adam, not going to lie. No, that that was was in character. The way he said it didn't feel like Black Adam to me. What he said... Really? Yeah, but the way that he spoke it. I don't know. Like, I, I I definitely I I definitely feel like the. Do you really need two blue beetles? That was like right in line. Like that. That's just me. I was like, oh yeah, that's. I can definitely see you being that condescending. Um, oh yeah, absolutely but, uh, condescending and arrogant. It's just he spoke to. I I want to say he spoke to normal. Um, Black Adam tends to have authority and a presence, and this just sounded like. The, like Shazam that, that, with a bad attitude. That could have changed in Bendis's run, which we popular like delete. We, we very much skipped. <laughs> delete. So, yeah, so I read possible. the whole fucking thing. He's and, to, oh yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, but um, if it wasn't for Sam Pierre being on this, um, that that bit of dialogue from Black Adam would have gotten this issue all the way up to a two. Um, because Sam Pierre is on it, I am going to give it a four. That is incredibly generous of me. Oh my god, are we really at three hours? Holy crap. Indeed yeah. we are. Well, roughly. It's been, a been a big week. Oh my god. Yeah. Oof, jeez. Okay, wow. Well, on that wonderfully positive note, we are going to transition <laughs> to our wonderfully positive... Top three books for this week, so I'm going to pass it over to Rob, who is going to get us through our top three books, because we have been here for a while, and we got to start wrapping it up before we uh, nice. get that four-hour part. So th- this whole wrap-up was very difficult for me to score on across the board, even the best moment of Biggest Stinker. <clears throat> but with top three, I think I pinned it down to number three, I had Teen Justice, just a wonderfully interesting romp in another universe number two i had aquaman andromeda beautifully written very horror oriented i really dig it rom v doing wonderful work 
And number one, I had Poison Ivy, a just runaway book of the week for me. I, I did not expect it to be that interesting and also very horror-oriented. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun one, I hope, and hope it uh, sticks to landing. Yeah, As for no, best, I mean, my... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, best moments. Honestly, that, that new look Poison Ivy had in that dude's fever dream was just horrific and amazing. And I really hope that actually leads to something. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my, my top three are very similar to yours, uh, with the exception of number three, which I had Batman number 124. Again, not the greatest issue, but I felt it was a decent wrap up. Uh, number two, I had Aquaman Andromeda number one, just a wonderful start to uh, what I think is going to be just a phenomenal uh, book in the Black Label uh, library. And then number one, I'm right there with you, Poison Ivy number one, just a shockingly good issue, a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It's something that actively has me excited for a Poison Ivy book, which I never would have imagined. Um, but I think maybe sometimes it's like that. Like you just, you kind of underestimate a creative team and they just blow you away. And you're like, oh shit, okay. Well, maybe let me not be the asshole and put faith in you next time. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I really uh, I really dug that one. Like definitely my favorite one of this week. Um, favorite moment though was tough. There were a lot of beautifully crafted artistic moments from throughout this week um and i really couldn't i really i really couldn't make up my mind easily on which one i wanted because flashpoint arguably had the best looking splash page with thomas wayne descending into that alley with the rain um and i really i want to give it to that one but i also want to give it to and I and I know it's it's just a minor thing, but just that face that Black Adam makes when John presents his team because he's so excited about it is <laughs> just like I wish I could just I wish I could just send that friends. to people. I know I was like I I just I wish I could send that to people when I'm annoyed with them. Like you send me some dumb shit, I'm gonna send you that that image of Black Adam. So <laughs> I probably oh, shouldn't do this, but I'm bringing it. I know I'm bringing it back. So I'm gonna do a two way tie between that panel. And the Flashpoint Beyond panel. Sorry, I couldn't make up my mind. They're just too good. (laughs) All right, Josh, how about you? Bring it home. All right, so number three, I have Doctor Strange. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I am (laughs) not a big fan of the majority of these books, but number three, I am going to give to Batman Beyond. It was such a fun read this week, and I'm totally into these stories <coughs> and as much as, as much as i love dan jurgens um the last ass end of his last run with batman beyond left me feel it, it was a little lacking this has picked it right back up and i'm totally in um number two is going to go to aquaman andromeda i am such a rom v fanboy a rom v writing style fanboy and uh this is this is it man it's good shit. Number one, um, I want to hate it, but I can't because it's so fucking fantastic. Poison Ivy number one. I just, I, I, this has already got me worried. It's already got me scared. It's got me a little bit sad. And I feel like with every single issue that comes out, that's going to do nothing but increase. If you, if you can invoke an emotional response out of somebody as cold-hearted as me, <laughs> I'm not that cold-hearted. I'm a, I'm a nice guy, but um, if 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 you can evoke an emotional response 
out of a reader, then you've done a damn good job. And uh, that's, like we said, damn it, yep. if it isn't the best sports poison I've ever had. Yep. Seriously, they, I just can't get that out yeah. of my head. Nope, it, it, there's never been a Poison Ivy on a page like this one, and I'm so sad that we finally have that just to have her end up dying. <laughs> yeah. uh. um, as far as my favorite moment goes, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to uh, give it to Hot Girl and Nubia and their sparring match. I thought that that whole, um, that whole dynamic was really cool. It totally makes sense to me that those two would become friends uh, given their similar backgrounds, should we say? I mean, they were raised to be warriors. They, you know, they, they've got their own gods, et cetera, et cetera, mysticism, magic. Um, so it, it makes sense that Hawk Girl and, and Nubia would pair up. As, that was my favorite moment there. Um, I guess that's it for the favorite moments, though, huh? Oh no, you still I gotta believe it yours. is. <laughs> oh no, you I already gave mine. You already gave yours. Jeez, I'm hungry. Yeah, no, we're we're a good. We're good. It's it's time to turn our attention to that toilet and give a big disgusting flush to the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Indeed it is. But which is the biggest thinker? We all have to ask. Um, I know what mine is. And I think I know what Josh is, um, but Rob, I'm going to start with you. I'm actually not sure what yours is. Yeah, I, I want to say we all have different ones, but suspecting you two might have the same one. Um, mine is not Dark Crisis. I actually gave it this time to Batman. Um, mm. Kind of in spiritual, Williamson is, is still there anyway. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, of, of all the books, I, I give Dark Crisis the benefit of the doubt so far because the first issue... Uh, but this is the end of a story kind of in two ways because it's finishing off Abyss and also finishing Williamson on Batman and in both fashions it just disappointed so that that is easily my biggest stinker how about right. you Brandon? well Josh I, I oh, oh all right well yeah as for me my biggest stinker is shockingly not Dark Crisis because while there oh, were yeah. some questionable things and it was not the best debut of an event comic it was not quite the stinker for me no the weakest issue this week for me had to be none other than nubia queen of the amazons which is really disappointing to say because i had hoped that after everything we had with the trial this would be a really interesting start of her time as queen um a, you know a different departure from the last miniseries but this feels like it may just be as underwhelming and frankly strange as the last half of the Nubia miniseries was so I'm I'm hoping it can pick up but this first issue doesn't give me a lot of confidence um I, Josh which was your biggest stinker um with the exception of Poison Ivy everything after the commercial break <laughs> um yeah oh, joy. Ba Batman was horrible had had a little bit of help from the backup a little bit of help um but of course the worst one of them all was Dark Crisis if 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 I could sum it up in an audio clip, it would be. It's fucking embarrassing. Oh gosh, That's I am, I I'm embarrassed for the artists and the rest of the creatives on this book. Um, I'd like to nominate Williamson for the dump list. 
it, it's just it's so flat it's so unimportant it's so uninteresting um you know, well, I, hey, at the very least, at the very least, you know you're not disappointed because you've been hate hyping this for months, and now you know that at least for sucks. you, it's a dud. So <laughs> it's it's not like you were expecting it to be good and it sucked. You knew it would suck, and then it sucked for you. Yeah, I was very right. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, so I, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna harp here, and then I'll lay the mic down. Um, but you know, I. I, I get it with Bendis. He's a self-serving ego guy with disregard for other creators. But Williamson seems like he's a self-serving ego guy with disregard for the characters and the readers. And for me, that is completely unforgivable. Not okay with it. There, now I'm putting the mic down. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's enough said. Uh, well, we joked about putting some people on the dump list, but I don't know that I have any nominees for the dump list. I'd like to give Nubia Queen of the Amazons one more issue, but if it's as disappointing as this last one, I may have to consider nominating it. But other than that, I don't really have anything I want to put on there. No, no. Um, obviously, we're not going to get rid of any event books. We're not going to get rid of any ongoings. Poison Ivy is here to stay for the next six months. Um, it's mostly just a, a, a sit back and see what happens kind of thing. I hope that Nubia works itself out right because this was this was a pretty disappointing issue from something that I did have high expectations for. Yeah. And at the very least, you know, with a book like Batman, the creative team is done. You're getting a fresh one next month. So that's that's oh, the last you have to read of it. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're if you're like, fuck this book, then at least, you know, this era is over and you can yep. move on to something new. Done. Works for me. Oh, and speaking of moving on, we should probably do that because at three and a half hours, we have been chatting for quite some time here. Um Agreed. But we have been having fun. Uh, so we are all wrapped up. Nothing more to speak of. Nothing more to discuss for this week's books. But we will see you next week. Make sure you stop by and buy me a coffee.com forward slash NAR podcast. Again, for a one-time donation or subscription, you can get access to all the exclusives that we have available on the network. And there's a lot of good stuff there that we think is worth your time. But with all that said, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Yeah.